Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thanks so much for being with us here for episode number 122 here on monday march 18th 2019 we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling and as always i'm joe Morata, joined by michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy diddy. well quinn another episode is upon us here 100, with 122 episodes 122. wow that's yeah, pretty it's really hefty huh it's really hefty and folks thank you so much for uh, hefting along with us here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We've got the first round of Royal Rankings for this season coming up in this show. Wow. We're going to talk about a piece of, a dirty piece of WCW's history later on. It's it's really actually dirty. <laughs> yeah, like, right. it, it, I'm not even, the screen's dirty. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear all about that later on. But first, just to get some administrative tasks out of the way here, if you have a Twitter, be sure to follow us at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, the best place if you want to talk to me, to Quinn, to a bunch of other retro wrestling fanatics is over on the Facebook group, Quinn. Right, on Facebook.com slash hefty. It's a uh, bag of heft. Um, <laughs> that's a Facebook group, actually. Yes, it is. That's really um, what it is. So to get that, you go over to the Facebook.web. You can do it on an app, yeah, app, browser. App, whatever. They have a search bar on that thing. Yep. Um, you've heard of it before we've talked about I've been to it we've, we've talked extensively in the mount rushmore and death valley of uh, search bars yeah. before dog pile was on there dog pile yeah definitely but this is in this Hot search pot. bar we're in it so Correct. you type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast the group comes up you hit join beep bop boop al gore and then you're in um, <laughs> that's right al and gore and then you're in <laughs> once you join you can post giffies jiffies Start debates, start arguments. Start arguments about stuff, memorabilia. People like to talk about memorabilia on there. Memorabilia, uh, tag teams, all sorts of stuff. And what we try to do with this group is we try to be a very welcoming crew of people. Meaning if you are of a retro wrestling background that is strictly WWF or maybe strictly NWA, maybe you watched wrestling for you know your whole life, 30, 40 years. Maybe you just started getting into the older stuff. Or maybe you don't watch anything, but you still like to watch people talk about retro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Friend, we have the group for you. So go over to Facebook. Come on. Come all. Come on already. Go over to Facebook, join the group, and later on in the show, we're going to have some information on their Patreon, but we do have one if and only if you want to donate. It's over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Quinn, this season, mm-hmm. we are doing a segment that was actually your suggestion, and it won the poll. I can't believe it won the poll. That was a very... Very proud of I, you. I, I just, you know, I just said, why don't we do this? I didn't think it would win, to be I fair. I didn't either, and it did. And this segment, folks... It's called From a Superstar to a Jobber. And what we're doing here is we are taking a wrestler that was prominent. It could have been for a year, a couple of years, you know, a good run, a tangible, good superstar run. And then before you know it, they were demoted, downgraded, became a jobber, or at least a jobber to the stars, you know, fell from glory. Right. 
To introduce that segment last week, we talked about the Renegade, who was a perfect example of someone. Oh, yeah. He was something. All right. Started off hot and then fell down. Basically, he, he wasn't much of a renegade. anymore. No, he, he really was wasn't. Plain old loser. Rick. Yeah. <laughs> plain old Rick. And even Jimmy Hart said he was plain old Rick. Who's going to argue with Jimmy and Hart? He's his manager. That's right. So, Quinn, this was uh, your pick this week. This is a topic I know that gets you a little stirred up when yep. we talk about it. Who are we talking about, Quinn? Uh, the Demolition. You ever heard of them? Yeah. Demolition. They were a tag team that was better than LOD. <laughs> okay. Um, and talk about that on Facebook if you want. But Demolition, yes. They're one of WWF's most popular, most enduring, most iconic teams, tag team champions. They three-peated, of course. Yes, three-peat. As three famously <laughs> said by Gorilla Monsoon, he yep. invented three-peat or yes. whatever. Chance for them to three-peat! They debuted in 1987, early 1987. Bill Eady, the former uh, masked superstar, Destroyer, not Mr. Wrestling. Mr. Wrestling. No, not he, the he same thing. many things in my brain. I don't... I don't I don't have the exact lockdown. He was also Super Machine. Yo, was he? <laughs> yes, he was. Oh, what a reveal and on he, this show. He teamed up with uh, Randy Colley, Moondog Rex, uh, as Demolition in early 87, managed by Johnny V. And after a couple of matches, they dumped Rex. I uh, get too many people recognized, and they brought in Crusher Khrushchev from the uh-huh. NWA, Barry Darso. Right. But my dream has come true. And the reason why is because of you, Ivan, and all my other comrades. He was unknown to WWF fans. He had never been there before. Yeah, nobody had ever seen his bald head before. (laughs) No one knew who this guy was. And they quickly uh, dumped Johnny V and thankfully jumped Johnny V. He stinks. (laughs) Why was he involved with demolition at all? The demolition is what they are, baby. It's horrible. Surprisingly, they made a great recovery from having Johnny V linger around them. They probably didn't have any money left, you know. Maybe Johnny V spent it all on cheap alcohol, but yeah, anyway. I don't know what he spent it on. <laughs> but anyway, so they have Mr. Fuji, and mm-hmm. slowly but surely throughout 87 into 88, they become more and more prominent. Uh, at first, they were kind of derided as LOD ripoffs, and it, in a sense, they were inspired by them. But nevertheless, they win the tag titles WrestleMania four. Right. En route to becoming a very popular team. They turn face at the end of 88. Right. 89 is like Demolition's year. Yeah, they're the bomb. They're awesome. They have yes. a long-ass tag title reign that's only briefly interrupted by the Brain Busters. Yeah, that little feud. I like that they were always willing to like take the belts off them. Why like, not? Every, but then they would recover. Like It just made them more like regular. You know what I mean? They were mortal. They were beatable, but it was tough to beat them. Right. And you know their face paint and their odd attire, they stood out. And honestly... In the steroid-infested, cartoon, larger-than-life late 80s, you had to stand out to really be a WWF superstar. Oh, no doubt about it. And they certainly did. And yes. they were... Kids loved them. I think adults liked them because they just beat the shit out I of people. I would say at the time when they started to fall or whatever, I would say they were one of the three pillars of the World Wrestling Federation. Okay. Uh, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, and Demolition, right? Like, those were like the big three. Absolutely. Like, they were always champions yep, of and- something. Kids loved all of them. You know, they were very popular. Right. Uh, And, you know, in ring work notwithstanding, and Demolition was pretty good, all things considered, uh, they were just a very popular team. Now, after three-peating at WrestleMania six, their final moment of glory, right? Right. Winning the titles from Andre and Haku. And and when we say final, it was definitely the final. Yep. (laughs) A couple of weeks, literally a few weeks after their big triumphant victory at WrestleMania six, Mm -hmm. they add a third man, (laughs) Crush, yeah, Demolition now with an insurance policy by the name of Crush. Humans make really, really bad mistakes. All of this is bad. <laughs> I don't like any of this. This is where they really just go down the toilet, and I don't understand it. They turn heel for no apparent reason. Right. 
and, has shellfish <laughs> injuries or something. He, he ate some bad scallops in Japan. I don't know what the condition was. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> These are all excuses. I say it's all bullshit. You, but anyway, you are of the opinion that Vince shoved them the hell out of the way because the LOD was coming in. Yeah, maybe he shoved the shellfish down <laughs> Axe's throat and his eyes were closed and he couldn't, couldn't open, them. open them. So anyway, by the summer of 90, as LOD is entering the WWF, you know, the Road Warriors, demolitions heal and they pull this bullshit gimmick where you're not supposed to be able to tell which one is which. Even- it's kind of like a weird, like, free birds rule, but with masks mm-hmm. or face paint or right. whatever. They like- had, like, the black mask for a while, you yeah. know, the full head mask. Yeah, and they lose the tag titles to the Hearts in an awesome match that I really love. Right, because, and then it's over after that. Yeah, because LOD looked at them, as you like to say. <sighs> Is that supposed to say that they're like so powerful that they can look, yeah. and then just demolition loses right. and becomes jobbers? Like <laughs> basically <it> sucks because <laughs> Axe leaves at the end of 1990. His last appearance is Survivor Series. He's got like the fluffy hair. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Even care anymore. He gets pinned in a minute. Slick. And then, as we know, Jack Tunney goes on TV and says, "Never again will there be three members of Demolition anywhere, anytime." So now we're down Did to they got the president. <laughs> out? Like this is such a conspiracy, in my opinion. So now we're down to just acts and crush until the like midpoint of '91. Their last notable appearance is losing to Tenaru and Katow. Yeah, hand they towel. can't even beat them. And like, this is the team that was like unfreaking stoppable, <laughs> right? And they're having trouble with freaking Katow and, and Tenaru. Like, what is this? And, like, it's just like a throwaway match. Like, they don't it's even, a- like, they don't even act like, yeah, these guys were, you know, at the last WrestleMania, they were the champions. Like, they're just like, oh, they suck. That's like, the one where Girl and Bobby just make jokes the whole time. I know. That's- they don't even, they make hand towel jokes the whole time. It's awful. It's not right to the demolition after all those years. I, I agree with you. And then they split up smash and crush Billy D long gone by this point we'll get into that in one second but before we do that Quinn before we get into the singles trajectory of Axe and smash afterwards I do want to say don't you think that Vince McMahon severely missed the boat not having a proper LOD demolition one uh, two on two match totally did they ever fight for the belts no how do you Not miss that, I that know of. out? Was he that mad at Bill Eadie's shellfish or whatever? Like, was that the issue? Like, I don't really get the politics behind all of it. I don't know either. It's very mysterious and like both sides have said different things. Yeah, I know. Demolition has sh- done shoot interviews and mm-hmm. together in their face paint. They claim about like money sometimes. Yeah. I've heard them say. Yeah, I've, I've also money, heard shellfish too. I've heard but, sell- shellfish. But, I, I, but Vince also is kind of like whatever. But why wouldn't, I, I, again, folks, if you know why then fill us in obviously but it's just it's so weird to me that they didn't at least do one match even on the the november like crappy saturday night's main event something you know something to have the two teams fight on television right so everyone could see it like even once but i digress quinn you wanted to talk about the uh (laughs) the solo trajectories of both axe and smash after demo we're not worrying about crush because he wasn't an original member Yeah, he snicks anyway i don't want to talk about his anything so who do you want to start with quinn 
Why don't we start with Axe since it's kind of the shortest? Okay. Because he was like 100 years old he, by the time the team ended. So that's the one thing. Bill Eady was already getting up there in age. I believe he was already in his like mid-40s by the time demolition was a thing, or maybe early 40s. Bill Eady was born in 1947. Uh, so after he leaves the WWF, he goes on the independent circuit. Still using the demolition gimmick and name and all this now, stuff. Now, didn't he tag with that bulldozer fat guy or whatever? Well, had, What's his name? He had a couple of different partners where he tried to use the demolition name. Richard Charland was one of the jobbers. And right. I think that was when it was demolition axe and blast. Blast. <laughs> yes. Here comes the axe and here comes the, the blaster. blaster. Like, I guess that's like what they were going for. I, I don't know. So. But blast was a fat piece of crap. He, he wore looked, like swishy pants. Remember? He, he looked like junk. <laughs> Any pictures I've seen, I was like, like, who would ever, like, <laughs> want to watch this? Right. I mean, Axe is great. I mean, he could beat Andre the Giant and all that. But, like, yes. you know, Blast? Right, Blast. Who the hell is Blast? I don't know. He he's was like, bad. He's like a demolition if Tugboat was in it or something. <laughs> like, he's awful. Tugboat, wow. And that was kind of, I mean, Bill Eady wrestled for several years after leaving mm-hmm. the WWF. But never, and again, part of it is just because he was old. But it was still sad the way he just, in 1990, was just like, oh, shellfish, goodbye. Yeah. You know, whatever the reason was, it was sad. And what's weird is he was a veteran of wrestling in general. He'd been he was with, a mass superstar. For years and years and yes. years in the 1970s and stuff. Big and star. So he just kind of faded off into the sunset. But that wasn't it for Demolition because you still have the Smasher, right, who, but, which was the Crusher before. Yeah, and, you, you know. Ironically. Yeah. And Smash, well, Barry Darso wasn't old. I think Barry Darso, if I'm doing this off the top of my head, but he He's was probably 30s, right? 33 or something when Demolition broke up, maybe. Well, when it 34? ended, he was only 33? I, I'm wow. guessing, but I think it's right around that. But he that wasn't expl- very old. That explains why he was around for so long in other capacities. Right. Barry Darso was just about 32 when Demolition ended. Why am I British now? And that's one of the things about this segment that we're doing this season, folks, is it's not just about someone that got old and became a jobber. That's understandable, right? Mm-hmm. That that can happen. It's someone that still had a lot of gas left in the tank, but right. they were never pushed or used maybe to their previous potential. And I think Smash, uh, a.k.a. Quinn, the Repo Man, might be right. a great contender for that. Yes, the Repo Man. So when he first breaks up and they, they first repackage him, he's Repo, and he's like an evil but really evil like not like a goof at first like everyone knows him as right he had a couple of vignettes where he was actually a dick yeah like he went to people's house and broke their car windows and stuff and like violently it's locked I always like those vignettes because there's no like dumb music playing in the background it's just Mm. him like at somebody's like you know driveway or something and like just literally smashes their windows because he smashed, obviously. Well, obviously. He knows how. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then he takes their cars and stuff, and, that, and it's like, wow, wow. Like, this is, like, violent and right. weird. And one of his big first acts as the Repo Man was to help Ted DiBiase win the million-dollar title back from Virgil shortly who, who before Who might be Cyber- another topic yeah. of this <laughs> He really segment. might. But, uh, yeah, he repossesses the million-dollar belt right. for the million-dollar man, and that, it distracts Virgil, and then he legitimately loses it. That's correct. Seconds later. Seconds later. So throughout 92, though, Repo Man becomes a very cartoonish villain. Right. They akin st- to the Riddler, almost, you know? I don't know what he was. He was, like, I don't know, like a dwarf or an elf. He's like, hee hee. And he yeah. would like, he would never stand hey, up. Great. He would never like stand up. He'd crouch. Right. Like, like he, he was, was always crouching and like looking around. Like I'm doing it right now. Like yeah. that's why the mic sounds weird. But like, yeah, that's like what he would do. I have your hat. Hey, I don't care. And that's your prize possession. Okay. Hey. You were late with the payments and I got it. 
Yeah, anytime he would come down for like a Royal Rumble or a match, he'd always be like, Sneaking. Oh, the, oh, he had know? a trench coat and like a rope. And the Zorro mask or yeah. the Lone Ranger mask. It was really funny. But clearly, he the dude didn't win shit after like mid-92. Right. But it's actually interesting because as we're talking about him, right? He was always good at like character work. Barry Darso, yeah, hell and yeah. It's a shame hell that yeah. nobody ever like figured out like, hey, this guy would be kind of great if we could find a good character for him, right? It's like let's right. make him Repo Man and then let's make him <laughs> what's the next Black one? Blacktop bully. Blacktop bully. That's in WCW. Uh before we get to the bully, I just want to point out I have heard that Barry Darso uh, in March of 93, which was before he left WWF as Repo Man, when he had debuted the new mask, the glittery, like, full head mask that he wore oh, for a couple matches. That was, like, once or twice, right? He had wanted, yeah. He had wanted to have the Repo Man character turn face and be, like, a superhero for kids. It was supposed to end up being a, a gimmick where it was going to be a big-time babyface gimmick. And then, because I wanted to do a lot of stuff for Make-A-Wish, is go to hospitals and see kids and do all that stuff. But it never, never got to that point where I could turn baby face and that was why i quit oh that would be fun isn't that cute like the robin hood of, <laughs> yeah of, of, right right the modern times it probably would have sucked but nevertheless it was a nice heart behind it yeah, yeah. he's a nice man actually <laughs> he Barry is, he's awesome. he actually has like a reputation cool. of being kind of amazing yeah he's awesome yeah but he was also a bully in wcw quinn right the blacktop variety so he's a bully and he fights dustin Rhodes yep. on the back of a tractor trailer while they're fighting and that's this and that that's why he got fired yeah. From blading on the back of a truck. Right. That was. How long did the blacktop bully live on? Like, because it, it was like two years. I'm not say. even Quinn. He came in in the summer of '94, and his introduction was as a fan at ringside. That was a jerk to the faces. He remember, just a bully. He wore a trucker yeah, hat. Yeah, I remember yeah, he was a bully. Some pay per view, Spring Stampede, or yeah, something. Maybe a little after. Maybe he was at the Clash or something. Yeah. I forget. But so then he had the match with Dustin. That was March of '95. That was it. So wow. not even a year. Wow. Well, it's kind of amazing that he went into. 95 though that you don't he think did. of barry darso in 1995 in the same sentence yeah that's true you don't and then i think he took that bully gimmick we've reviewed it to the awf right if and you then recall. He, he met the highway honey yeah and then they went on a tear in the awf truck stops all over america folks right <laughs> High, highway who the hell is she i don't know that, that, you know i know pete winston really latched on to this because it's like so weird that you find a person in wrestling in general that, that no like, one knows, right? No one's ever heard of, right? Like, or like, is she alive? Like, <laughs> there's no way to track her down. Right, like, she's right. just a mystery. <laughs> like, only only Barry Darso could find a mystery woman that's like an actual mystery. That's a credit to Barry Darso, if yeah. you ask me. And then he came back to WCW in like '98 or so as right. Hole in One, the golfing gimmick. Yeah. So this is the swan song for Barry Darso. This is the, the proof that he can do any fucking character you right. give him. Want to be a pro golfer wrestler? <laughs> I can do that for you. And he does it. And he's actually like putting in the ring. It's amazing. Like it's so dedication good. to his craft, man. I, I mean, and he's like cackling. He's yep. like mixing all the characters together. It's yep. like the perfect like. This was the character that Smash was born to become. It's every <laughs> golfer. It's every idea. Like it's like it's it's Smash. If he was retired, he'd go play golf. Oh, that's like, true. Yeah, that's what I thought of it. There's at no least. time to smash things anymore. But at least you can you know hit the ball, you can smash the ball, smash the ball. Because you know right. it's not all putting. You, you got to have a long game. Obviously, that's true. Clearly, so, Quinn. So he he's, golf is very important. He's in wrestling. a golf master or something. And you know, I think that is that the end of him in mainstream promotions. Yeah, yeah it is. His one last WWF appearance. 
uh, was at the WrestleMania 17 gimmick battle royal oh, as yeah. Repo Man. That was fun. That was right? fun. Yeah, as Repo, obviously, because Bill Eady, there's no way he was showing face there. Why couldn't he just be smashed by himself? Because that'd be weird. Do you ever see a match where it's just smashed by himself on like late 91? It's bad. Wasn't he in the Royal Rumble by himself at some point? Maybe. I don't know. No, he was with Crush they in the 91 to Rumble. They win the Royal Rumble. Well, Axe especially. Yeah, Axe especially. But that doesn't... Hey, don't sell Smash short. I won't. Yeah. So overall, Bill Eady, I think we covered pretty well in terms of... He was already kind of riding off into the sunset. Right. So there's probably not much else they could have done with him, except I would think that it would have been nice, circumstances notwithstanding, if he had maybe a more graceful WWF exit, if nothing right. else, right? And actually, I wish that both... Darso and um, Edie could have reunited maybe to have one last big fight maybe in 96 or 97 against the Demolition or uh, against the Legion of Doom. Yeah. Even in WCW, I mean, I don't know. I think WWF owned the Demolition gimmick at the time, but one way or another, Bill Edie pretty cut and dried. Barry Darso, though, was a young man after Demolition, and that's what's so surprising is he had the talent, obviously, and the ability to get stuff over. I mean, you can see it in the characters he played. Right. It's almost like he was... I always thought of him as somebody, like, after the the Smash thing and after the Demolition, I always thought of him as the kind of guy that was kind of just waiting for the next big gimmick, right? And it just never came. It just never came. Right, and it always upset me because it was like, here's a guy that you can tell that both the WWF and the WCW had confidence in. Sure. Because they would always keep him around. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of a shame that they just like, neither company just could ever find anything for him. I think that's fair because that might be the only thing. He was a good worker. Right. He was a good promo, honestly, considering what he had to work with. He was fun as Smash. He was fun as Repo Man. by the time he retired, I mean, like, there's still a healthy respect for him to the point where I remember in the mid-2000s, sometimes you would hear Barry Darso chants. Yes, I like, remember that. There was, that was, there was like a phase of that. that like, that's real. It's like people cared about this guy. They were like, we want, like, Barry Darso's good. We like him. I like him. He's great. And I, I just I just wish that they found something for him. I do, too. And, folks, the glory days of Demolition, you know, 88 to 90 were great, but so short-lived. Let us know your thoughts on Demolition. What could they have done with Barry Darso? Gimmick-wise, career trajectory or was that as good as he was going to get uh let us know that you can do that by reaching us on twitter at ovp podcast you can email us or join the group good pick quinn appreciate that Hmm. folks when we come back it is round one of the royal rankings of wrestlemanias that's right after flushing down two last week we're gonna take two of the best and see where they stand royal rankings coming up right after this we gotta get to a higher place and With me at this time, not a one-time world tag team champion, not even a two-time world tag team champion, but a three-time Now wait a minute! You don't have a clue what's going on! You're a bum just like that road warrior hawk! And you know why? Because it was because of him why I still ain't the world champion! Road warrior hawk, do you remember me? Ah, I know you do, because you hurt every time you think of me! When you look in the mirror, you hurt. Well, it's Wrestle Riot 2, and that's in Australia. Well, in Australia, you're going to get beat up just like I beat you up everywhere else. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to kick your stinking teeth in. You got it? And I might kick your teeth in, too. Take that damn mic. I hope Hawk kicks his teeth in.
And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here on episode number 122, here on Monday, March 18th, the last episode of winter, 2019. Quinn? Is that a true statement? It's the last it's day of winter? True story. Last episode of winter, yeah. Oh, spring is a couple of days from now, thankfully, and we're going to spring into the Royal Rankings, but before we do that, just wanted to remind you guys, if you want to donate, if you like what we do here on OVP, and you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We have three rewards tiers, $2, $3, and $5. And I just encourage you to go check it out. If nothing else, just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Check it out. See if there's a tier that's right for you because, Quinn, they will not shed any tiers over this. You're not going to shed tiers because all the content is good content that's on right. the Patreon. It is good content, and we appreciate your support. But you know what? Honestly, even if you don't donate, we're just thankful that you join us each and every week. Quinn, we are now on the precipice of WrestleMania season. And you it's know, bigger than Battle Royal season. It's bigger than the World Series. Yeah, it's bigger than the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yes, um, exactly. It's, it's the biggest, really. It's the showcase of the immortals. Um, it does showcase some immortals. Some, you can, a lot of people are mortal on it, though. You, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of... There's a lot of mortality, let's yeah. be honest here. You can watch it in, like, a car in uh, Uzbekistan, you know? Right, oh, right. And you can watch it on, like, just some random TV in a marketplace in India. Yep, with bunny ears. Yeah, just, you don't need pay-per-view no. for some reason, I don't know. <laughs> but in the U.S. you do, I guess. Right. Uh, so anyway, folks, last week, with a new twist on the Royal Rankings, we introduced the Royal Flush, where we took two WrestleManias that were voted on by you, the fans, to be the worst, and we ranked them. This week, we're going back to the Royal Rankings. This is round one of the rankings where basically what we did, if you're new to the show and you're joining us for the first time, is a few weeks back, we had a poll asking for your top 10 and bottom 10 WrestleManias. All the votes were collected. They were put into the machine here and they were tallied up. So the top 10 in each category made it to the master pool here. Yeah, master pool. Master pool. And we, by random drawing, each and every week are going to pull out two and then we're going to see where they rank. So last week was the Royal Flush. This week is the Royal Rankings. So without any further ado, let's go to Howard Finkel with the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. And welcome to WrestleMania 3. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. of Elizabeth, the blast off of the next decade in the World Wrestling Federation. The boyhood dream has come true for Shawn Michaels. the Royal Rankings Round 1, where we're going to find out the definitive scientific list of WrestleManias, Quinn. We spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. On this on this <laughs> list right here. Yeah. So, Quinn, we uh, did the Royal Flush, like I keep mentioning, last week. We talked about WrestleManias 2 and WrestleMania 9. That's some bottom-feeding type of stuff here. It's uh, garbage, those ones. They really are. But now we have the cream of the crop, the best of the best. We are going to scientifically and methodically find out which WrestleMania is the greatest of all 
And without any further ado, let's find out who drew number one. Well, Quinn, it was the blast-off of the next decade, as Vic McMahon said. According to Vic, yeah. It was sure a blast-off to um, nothing, really. (laughs) To a very sad era. It's unfortunate because it's a good blast-off. It's just, it doesn't... It's like you're setting the satellite up, and it makes it, right? Right. But when you get up there... It's all broken. And so you're it's like, the Challenger explosion? No, no, no. It's more oh. like, remember when they sent up the Hubble and it was like all fucked up <laughs> yeah. and it took like 10 years to fix it or whatever? That's like basically <laughs> WrestleMania 10. So you heard it here first, folks. WrestleMania 10 is the Hubble telescope. Right. It was triumphant <laughs> when they sent it up. And then it just it was like, oh, we got we to do something about this. Now, WrestleMania 10 took place on March 20th, 1994. And if you know anything about the WWF's trajectory and its history, 94 is regarded by some people as a good year because there were some good pay-per-views and some good wrestling matches. Yeah, like this pay-per-view. I don't think any <laughs> Summer of them. Summer good. It's okay. Uh, but the overall aesthetic and the overall morale in terms of what was going on behind the scenes and even what comes across on screen, aircraft carriers, that yep. type of stuff, mm-hmm. not so good. Native America to dock and lock up with the Brooklyn Brawler. We should have lots of excitement. Now, WrestleMania 10 was, in Vince McMahon's words, the blast-off of the new generation, basically. And it was headlined by an interesting setup, Quinn. It was yep, a, a double main event. A double main event, essentially, where Yokozuna, who, yep. or should I say, Yokozuna. Right, as he was christened at this event. He was, by Donnie Wahlberg. Yokozuna! He was the World Wrestling Federation champion for what seemed like an eternity at this point. Yeah, a very fat, big eternity. (laughs) And people were ready to not have um, this fat guy as the champion anymore. This is true. And at the Royal Rumble, there were two winners, unfortunately. One of them was Lex Luger, the the made-in-the-USA Lex Luger. Right, who was the projected, um, you know, if WWE Futures was a market, he was like the (laughs) the number one uh, stock. Yes, he was the next Hogan. You know, that's what they were trying to do with him. He had body-slammed the fat man on the Intrepid on July 4th, didn't win the title at but Summer he really Slam. acted like he did. <laughs> so dumb. So did the Steiners and yeah. Savage and Tatanka. Uh, but then meanwhile, Bret Hart, who had been feuding with Jerry Stupid Lawler right. throughout well, 93. Right, he was distracted by him. <laughs> right. He was being really annoying. Bret Hart uh, was turned on by his brother Owen at the yeah. Royal Rumble 94. You know, Owen kicked me in the leg. Kicked and his leg out of his leg. Right out then, of his leg. And then Bret also was in that Royal Rumble with his leg all messed up. Yep. And they both toppled over him and Luger at the same time. Jack Tunney, never fucking again will two people win the Royal Rumble. Of course. Course, coin yep. toss right and what happened was luger fought yoko in the first championship match but uh, to make it fair right brett would have to also fight a match at the opening of the he, show so he'd have time to rest yep tunny did time everything out correctly he did he had a spreadsheet out or maybe his you know his I book would, i would say this is one of uh tunny's best performances since uh taking over for mishima in 84 84 you know, yeah. yeah that's fair quinn so that's actually a good launching point here let's start let's run down the card starting with brett versus owen they had been feuding now for a couple of uh, months at this point. Before we get too into this, can we just quickly mention that the uh, Heavenly Bodies face the Bushwhackers in, <laughs> in the Dark, dark Match? match. Yeah. Yes, which you can see bits and pieces of on the pre-show oh, if you're does, interested. Was, did Radio WWF <laughs> handle that one no, too? but they were there. Gorilla Monsoon yeah. in the white suit and Chet Kopic right. was his partner because JR was gone. One day we have to unearth that. Somebody. But, yeah. I want to hear Gorilla call Brett versus Owen. Ah, tremendous maneuver! <laughs> uh, so anyway, Owen Hart was introduced by Bill Don, Quinn's favorite ring announcer, this side He's of Howard Finkel. Yeah. <laughs> From Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
This is the best Bill Dunn performance of all time, if you ask me. You heard it here first. Uh, and he comes down to fight Brett. Obviously, Brett, the big brother and larger brother. Uh, Owen, the little rascal, was yep. playing the heel. I always liked Owen's entrance here, too, because awesome. he comes out of the shadows, literally. And it's actually kind of great. It really is. Our announcers, of course, were Jerry Lawler and Vince McMahon. During a good period for them on commentary, right. they were they were fine. Yeah. They were okay. And they have, in my opinion, my favorite match. I am not saying it's the best match yes, to ever happen. Joe has but long it's my favorite match. stood, and I'll, I'll give him credit for uh, you know staying strong with that. This is his favorite match my ever. Favorite. Yeah. It's very good. It I really agree. is. Yep. And the ending, of course, Quinn, the big shocker, Owen defeats Brett. Right. And so this is some good storytelling because Brett is kind of demoralized. You know, he's got a title match later on. Yeah, and his knee is injured again. Right, his leg's out of his leg, and then Jerry Stupid Lawler's like, he'll never fight! Yep. He, he stinks! Yep. He's, he's done! That's it! And what a great way to kick off a WrestleMania, Quinn, with, right. the, with in my opinion, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Uh, and Owen defeats Brett. Fantastic technical wrestling, so safe. Yeah. You know, and the high flying. It, it was the most safe. It was very right? safe. But a tremendous matchup. I could go on for hours, but we don't have the time. Then we uh, we finally blew off the big Bam Bam versus Doink feud that had been brewing since Matt Bourne was still there. Yeah, don't forget Dink, too. <laughs> and Dink, of course. Yeah. So Bam Bam and Luna faced off against Doink and Dink in a mixed tag match that is fun, inoffensive to me. Yeah, what do you it's, think? It's whatever. I mean, Bam Bam and Luna this, win. Th- you know what I will say about this? This is some of the residual garbage of 1993. Oh, it absolutely yeah, is. Yeah, like, it, it has to be in there. And it's the big stage debut of a Ray Apollo or Ray like Amelia's doink. The fatter, stripy pants doink, doink that I don't Ugh. like. He's just, he's a good wrestler yeah. and everything, but no charisma. A then, dink is great. The next match, though, is a real piece of shit. I have heard praise for this match. I think it's And terrible. I don't quite understand it. I think it's such a misuse of Randy Savage. So it's Randy Savage's final, for the record, televised WWF match. Oh, even wow, though he yeah, was there that, until yeah. November. Yeah, because he was Babe Ruth or whatever. He was Babe Ruth. Arithmetic. Four times four is 16. Yeah. Three strikes are out. And he was facing <laughs> the heel crush. Which is the best crush. It is not. It's the best face, crush. Face Hawaiian crush is not the best crush. Sticks, Anyhow. Okay. Uh, so Savage and Crush have a very odd false count anywhere where you have 60 seconds to get back in the so ring. So it's like a Texas death match, I guess, but it's stupid. It's terrible. It's and, really poor. And, okay, so the... Basically, just to get to the ending, it's like Savage like very poorly ties him up, and it's very obvious that like I guess Crush could get away, but he just doesn't. Yeah, like he just acts like, "Oh, I'm so stuck," and <laughs> Fuji's like having trouble walking. And well, Savage can't... punched him too, right? Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, either way, it was like very easy to get out of that and get back to the ring in more than enough time. And the problem with this feud, I've always said, is that the intensity level was really high because it's a Randy Savage feud. He always has good feud, right? But good the match feud. was awful. Yeah. Yeah, the problem is he was working with Crush, who just was intimidating looking, but couldn't do anything intimidating in the ring. This was savage creativity. Like, this is like typical, like, you know, he planned all this the out. Steamboat, it's like, yeah, the Steamboat, like, Hogan. Like, the whole tying him up thing was probably planned oh, and of course. set up and everything. And but Savage probably went over it, like, practiced it with him and Crush just shits the bed yeah. when he gets there. And Savage would have, a, would have a much better v- version of this intense feud with DDP a couple of years yeah. later in WCW, for contrast, right. you know? Yeah. So it wasn't Savage's fault that this wasn't very good. Then we had a very short women's match, Quinn. The women's revolution was in effect. It was Alondra Blaze, the champion, defending against Leilani Coy. Yep, Lonnie Coy. Lonnie Coy! So after 10 WrestleManias, yes. uh, she makes her triumphant return. She loses. She looks like she's 1,000 years old because, I mean, she was born that way. Yeah, but. and she was maybe 33. 
I don't even understand how she, like, I don't get it. Uh, and no one cared about that match, by the way, but Blaze won. It was fun. Then Men on a Mission were the tag team challengers. This is an awful thing, <laughs> Against the Quebecers. Like, I don't understand. You have the Quebecers who are on this run. Great team, by the way, Quinn. They really are. I don't know. Let's have Men on a Mission just not win. Was like, there anyone else that could? Uh, the Steiners were still employed, weren't they? They weren't even on this paper. No, were they? they weren't, but yeah. they were still employed. They should. I mean, what is shit, it? man. Mabel and Mo, how do they? These are two guys who I never understood how they always stayed at like the forefront from the minute they walked into the W. In like, they, they always, 95, like, yeah. They always like sidled their way into something <laughs> important. And yeah. They, they kind of uh, screw the pooch here. I thought this match sucked and I didn't like it. Not very good. Yokozuna with his first defense right. against now, Lex Luger. This is a great thing, and I'll tell you why. It's not like the best match of all time. No, it's okay. However, it's probably the best meeting of, of, of Zuna and Luger over Don't call here. call that. Whatever, Yoko and, and, and Luger um, in their big epic feud. And it's kind of like the last time they really fight. Thankfully. Um, so what happens here is Mr. Perfect is revealed to be the <laughs> guest referee. In a stylish uh, referee jumpsuit. Yes, referee jumpsuit. And he's, uh, he's still a face, right? Yep. At he the had, beginning of the match. He had last been seen in November as a face, then so he's still the, a face. In the middle of the match, he basically screws Lex Luger. Well, Luger put his hands on a WWF official, Mr. But Perfect. he screwed him. He screwed him. It's really stupid. He definitely screwed him. Right. So he disqualifies Luger, right? Yep. Yoko wins and by DQ. These, it's revealed basically like right after the match that like Mr. Perfect is still mad about like WrestleMania 9, which we discussed last week. <laughs> if we you did. recall in the flash. We did. We but did. This is the next part of it. He was just like, fuck Lex Luger. <laughs> we got in a fight last year and You're before an he asshole. was made in the USA yep. and all that. And I, I, I'm still pissed about it. So I disqualified him. Now, Luger, I don't hold any grudge just because 392 days ago you knocked me out at WrestleMania 9. No, I don't hold a grudge. It's never even entered my mind. So Lex Luger chokes again, doesn't win the title. And not his fault this time. Not his fault, but he should have just put Yoko away. He was throwing managers in the ring. Perfect had a point. Team perfect, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I disagree. But I do love the the, the continuity there. It I, is great I think continuity. It's a, I think it's one of the high points of WrestleMania 10 is like referencing back to the last one. Why not, yeah. right? Go for it. And then uh, Harvey Whippleman was uh, in the ring and made fun of Howard Finkel on his toupee. You've always, in my mind, been an ugly, What is going stupid, on now? Big ear, monkey face, <laughs> bow headed, New York Yankee piece of garbage. Oh-ho! So Fink shoves down Whippleman. He's had enough already. They've been feuding for like two years, war of words, you know, yeah. since, ever since uh, Whippleman came in. So then Adam Bomb comes in to threaten Fink, but Earthquake follows closely behind. That's the happy high, I'm a face yeah. version of Earthquake. Kicks his ass 30 seconds. Good night. Isn't Cy Sperling involved in this also? Earlier on, yeah, he's yeah, there. Because the Fink has hair at this pay-per-view, yes. if you recall. Right. And also, Quinn, did you know that the original match here was actually supposed to be Earthquake versus Ludwig Borga. Really? America's crumbling. Crumbling. I actually, that might have been better. <laughs> much better yeah. because... Earth- I mean, as much as we don't like crumbling, I think he would at least well, put on a little bit better of a show here than Adam Bomb. He sucks. <laughs> John Tenta could have cut one of his great Earthquake yelling promos like, You say America's crumbling! The Earthquake's gonna make you crumble! Uh, yeah. Perfect. Now, there you go. Book a, it. I will say, this is a very odd appearance that nobody ever talks about for Earthquake being this late in the game. 94, yeah. He was yeah. there for a little bit longer Not and then that, he was gone. I, I think he would be in another WrestleMania's Golga later, but... Don't bring that up. I'm just He saying, wasn't at WrestleMania, but he was at was SummerSlam. Was the oddities ever at WrestleMania? No, they weren't, but okay. he was at stuff, yeah. Okay. 
He was at WrestleMania as a as Earthquake at 17, though. Oh, that's true. It wouldn't be Earthquake's final appearance. Nope, he'd have one more. And then, of course, the match that most people remember from this, maybe besides Brett and Owen. Now, I want to say one thing about the placement of this match. Yeah. I always forget that this is right before the ending. Right before the final match, yeah. Because it feels like it's in the middle of the show for some reason. It does, and it's a well-done match, obviously. it's That's understating it. Right. Intercontinental champion, the true Intercontinental champion, Razor Ramon, defending right. against Shawn Michaels, who had had the title stripped from him back in September and was gone until November. So he comes back in November with his old Intercontinental belt and ignites this feud with Razor that has like a slow build. He interferes in Rumble 94, Razor's yep. match. So we have a great concept here. The ladder match with two belts suspended above the ring. Right. Big fan favorite Razor Ramon. Everyone loved him in 94. And Sean is now like, he's like kind of a bigger heel than he was before he left. Yes. Like he's like, man, this guy's a real dick. Yep. And he's got Diesel with him, which yeah. adds to the heat. And they have this classic ladder match that influenced probably every ladder match to come after it. I would say Shawn Michaels out of this becomes pretty legendary. Like this is this like was where, a big one for him. This is where it, he makes his name for like probably the best worker in the company. Even though like Scott Hall is just as good, but I think Hall's awesome too. Sean got a lot of the praise here because he, I think he did a lot of the high flying moves. Well, that of course people, he did. People were very like not used to seeing right, and a lot of sick bumps with the ladder that you right. just hadn't seen. Now Bret Hart would be very quick to remind anyone listening yeah, that yeah. He, I actually brought the ladder match for me and Sean and had a tryout for Vince and Sean stole. Is his yeah. concept, but nevertheless, fantastic match. Either way, Shawn Michaels became associated with the ladder match yeah. and was like good at it. He was it's very like good he, at it. It's not like he was he didn't sully at it. the ladder. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? In fact, <laughs> if anything, he elevated. Yeah, it. no pun intended. Yeah, uh, and then in the final match here, Bret Hart, injured knee and all, faces Yokozuna, the champion, and the guest referee Quinn, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yes, Roddy the Piper. Now, I do find this interesting how they did this because because. Because of the whole Mr. Perfect shit in the previous one, now you're thinking to yourself, well, remember Roddy Piper got screwed by, or he lost the title to Bret Hart at WrestleMania Two years 8, ago. so is that shit going to happen? Perfect. Like, now they've implanted back into your brain that, yep. like, oh, maybe these guest referees, even though they're faces, they have, like, backstories right. with, the, with the wrestlers. Right. But it turns out Roddy's a non-factor, and right. Bret wins when Yoko falls off the top rope, and that kicks off the new generation. A bunch of wrestlers celebrate. Everyone celebrates Macho Man's Happy in there. ending. Yeah, yeah. One of the great endings to a WrestleMania. Say, Let's yeah, be real. Like, they go off the air. Everyone's fireworks. happy celebrating fireworks. And that's and how you close a show. Gorilla Monsoon's in the ring. He is with his white coat. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> Looks like he's at a wedding in 1984. And, and that was just, it's just a good it's a ending to a mania. He hit his head! Two, three! Looking back at all of this stuff that we went through, there is a lot of crap. There like, is. And to we'll, be fair. And when it comes to ranking time, we'll, we'll sp yeah. separate the crap from the good. But, Quinn, now it's time to find out who drew number two. Robert Goulet reminded me a little of Axel Rose. Axel Rose? Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with Axel Rose, Jeff. From Guns N' Roses. Oh, Guns N' Roses. Okay, that Axel. <laughs> it's an old friend, Quinn. It's WrestleMania six. The most oldest of friends. The easiest pay per view to watch I ever, in my this opinion. It's so good. There's so much quotes. It's it fun. doesn't have the best matches, no, but no, it's no. just kind of it's just it's a so good time. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's good like, time. Every the whole way through, it's so smooth. Yep. It's like a three hour show, and it doesn't feel like annoying it's or beautiful. anything. Yeah, I love this show. And WrestleMania six. A little trivia here. 
not very obscure trivia, but it was the first international WrestleMania. Yeah, they, they like to boast about that they during the, um, the, the whole show, really. Yeah, and they've had exactly one other international WrestleMania, also at Skydome. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, this was a big deal. To me, this is... This is as close as you got to have a having a WrestleMania three feel again. Oh yeah, I mean they even brought back the little carts and everything. <laughs> right, the little carts, big stadium, sixty thousand some odd people there. Yep, uh, not as big obviously as Pontiac Silverdome, but I have to say it was a, a nice, refreshing change after the last two years in that dump of Trump <laughs> oh Plaza. Oh my god, dump plaza. You yeah. might want to call it yeah. shit, where you can smell the piss as you walk in. You it's what see, it looked you like. Can see the cocaine. You can in the see background. the clouds of cocaine powder yeah. in the background. But no, WrestleMania six, big feel to it champion versus champion title for title it's the ultimate challenge it's wrestlemania and obviously the ultimate challenge was the main event but we'll run down the card i guess is a good way to do it right um obviously we have to start with the dark match yes, of course very because dark. we always start with the dark match and paul roma defeats the brooklyn brawler the brooklyn <laughs> brawler makes it to another wrestlemania he did isn't that great good yeah. for him wow. two years in a row i mean he is the greatest jobber of all time or he, whatever he might be some people say uh rick martell in the opener defeated coca beware in a match that i love because rick martell is in the best form he was as the mod. I would say Coco's even in the best form. Coco's he was. good. Coco's very like he's good here. Coco fighting it with a nice bridge. <laughs> yeah. Coco's fighting it with a nice bridge. But Martel has the perm, the good tights. Oh yeah, he's got the little like the like, scarf sweater scarf <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah, he's awesome here. Nice the arrogance. Yeah, the arrogance. Nice little opener. They're short, you know, four minute match, but it puts Martel hey. over. Any pay-per-view where you get to hear the wonderful Rick Martel music, like, to open, and even, like, the good, it's in town, like, that music, everything about it, yeah. Like, it's all just happy, everyone's, uh, like, Frankie's there, and who does he remind you of? (laughs) Yeah, all that shit, that Axel CD. Yeah, there's so many quotes. Demolition Quinn three-peated, as we mentioned earlier in the show. and that quote's in this. They defeated the Colostomy Connection. Right, which is you know, Gene says it wrong or whatever, and then Bobby gets mad about it. Andre and Haku, and as we mentioned, this was the swan song of demolition as in their glory days, but also onto the giant swan song, Quinn. Right, uh, so at the end of the match, um, Andre gets caught up in the ropes, he gets kicked by Axe, all this bullshit happens, yep. basically Bobby's like, oh, I'm the boss, and slaps Andre. Yep. Andre, like, starts to tell you that, and then he, like, beats the shit out of them before they can get on the cart, and only Andre can go on the cart and leave. And, My like, cart! And everyone's all happy, and then, like, Brain and, like, Haku get in the cart to leave, and then everyone, like, pelts them with garbage yeah, on the way great. out. It's really good, and Bobby's, like, holding his ear. It's it's so good. It's such a nice farewell for Andre, yeah. too, because that was his last WWF match, technically. Right. Uh, he did some Japan stuff. But anyway, then Earthquake defeated Hercules, who was rapidly declining. Hercules was, and Earthquake yes. was on the rise. Now, Earthquake uh, sending everyone to the hospital, Jess! Yep, yep. 29 men! Yeah. And he was Canadian Earthquake prior to this, but right. just Earthquake here at WrestleMania. It, was Dino Bravo with him at this match? Because I feel like he no. was. No, no, no. Wasn't. We'll get to Dino. Don't yeah. worry. There, something happens uh, with <laughs> Earthquake not having a manager's but license. Hercules gets the shit beat out of him, basically. Yes, he does. Uh, Earthquake yeah. kills he, Hercules. This, to me, is where they decided, okay, Earthquake, you gotta go be a tag team with that guy in the dark match before <laughs> I get out of here. Like, Brutus Buffcake Quinn defeated the allegedly undefeated Mr. Perfect after Sean Mooney asked what Beefcake was doing. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, what are you doing? Cocaine. 
But this was a surprising one for, I think, a lot of fans. Perfect had been touted as undefeated. He wasn't actually. Yes. He had lost plenty of times. Yeah, but I would say this match is a memorable ending because yeah. the genius gets his hair cut off and it's kind of funny. And yeah. But his hair's already fucked up from like a previous. A previous bad haircut. Yeah. And also the genius does like a, a like a hilarious cell where a he's like swapping or something. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing, but it, it, uh, the fact that we can remember all these stupid things. Yes, like, right. This is what is highlighting how good this pay-per-view is. Exactly. And this was a big deal for Beefcake, Quinn, because right. Beefcake was slated to win the Intercontinental title at SummerSlam. This was part of his big push. But then push. he was like parasailing or something <laughs> yeah, and his Jim Brunzel, face fell off. Brian Blair, one of them. And he became a lady. <laughs> yes, exactly. And this was also the end of the Mr. Perfect Genius Association. Good. Thank- thankfully, Bobby would become Perfect's new manager shortly. Right. Then we had a horrible match that should have been good. Bad News Brown versus Roddy Piper. Now, I'd say Roddy Piper pretty much ruined this by his black and white paint thing. Yeah, that which, wouldn't fly anytime, really. I don't know what he was thinking. I would say Andre got the last laugh with that because apparently... Um, <laughs> so the paint you see on him, right, is apparently the wrong paint. And Andre switched it and it was like permanent. So Piper had to like walk through an airport looking like that the next day. Andre did something. I think he switched the paint remover with water or something yeah. like that. Yeah, there was some kind of rib and Roddy had to go through U.S. Customs in in half his body painted black. Andre the Giant and Arnie Skolan, they poured the solution out and poured water in it. But nevertheless, it didn't stop him from having a shitty match with Bad News Brown. That should have been good. Yeah, I mean, I do like the the brawling and all that. I actually yeah, thought that was a okay. nice change. I don't know if they liked each I, other in real life. You know, honestly, I like the concept of the match. I like the um, let's highlight the Piper brawling stuff against the ultimate brawler in Bad News right. Brown. Yep. I just think it didn't work out because... Honestly, I really think that black and white thing was extremely distracting. It was distracting, and um, they didn't really do a yeah, good job wrestling. Exactly. That's the other part of it. It, it just it's wasn't a, good. It, it's actually like kind of sad, because I thought that that was the final nail in the coffin for Bad News Brown. Unfortunately, I mean, he had that one feud with Jake, and then he was out the door. Right. And I don't think he was ever happy and there. And Piper could just, you know, not make a big show of everything maybe it would have been yeah you know you know he, he, then he wouldn't have been roddy piper though right exactly uh the heart foundation beat the bolsheviks in awesome, nine, 19 seconds it's so good so like you know nikolai as he does at every wrestlemania since yep. one as we know now he's he, oh, yeah and then all that and then the the heart heart attack in two seconds and boom that's it and the point of this was to reestablish the heart foundation as a dominant tag team because they had kind of been lingering as singles on and off throughout 89 right. and there's some talk by gorilla and Jess about like oh Hart Foundation they've uh, they've asked for the winners of the yep. demolition match yep and they're they gonna did. fight them and like they you sure, know they sure did and I do like that they set the stage especially in commentary they do a good job talking Excellent. about that like yep just slow seed planting right yeah it's not hit you over the head it's right. just like oh they're gonna want demolition you yep. know that kind of stuff absolutely next up was one of my personal favorite this match matches is great it, it for is real fantastic. like it actually is so this is the barbarian fresh off the powers of pain because he went with Bobby Heenan, the warlord. Newly acquired. Yep. yep. Fuji sold the contracts and or whatever. Of, of course, Bobby spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. That's where that comes from. Right. And this is where not only is the in-ring, in-ring action is actually pretty damn good for a right. five-minute match. It really isn't bad. It's a it's an excellent match, actually. Because Barbarian's awesome and so is Tito. Right. But Jesse Ventura and Gorilla, this is the whole Tijuana the and Blue Note Chico's Club. enchiladas. Yeah, yeah. There it, was Juanita. Yeah, bathroom breaks. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that had to be running out. Right. You know, if Chico would have been smart, he'd have sent the barbarian some of that food of his. We could have counted on a count out then. Stop. Two minutes into the match. Stop. The barbarian would have to head out. That's Gorilla. it. That's it. 
And all of this great commentary, entrance, the the backstory, the jokes, the all the fun, it all ends with a fantastic off the top rope clothesline from oh, the God. barbarian where Tito does a great sell job. He does like a total like three sixty yep. flip from it. And beautiful. It, it's fantastic. This match does everything you need it to do. Yep. Kind of it's that middle of the the show. Kind of yep. like it, it is what it needs to be and it's perfect. It's very comfortable. Yeah, it's, it's compact. Good, it's compact. It's, yeah, it's perfect. And then a great time. I, I don't care what anyone rates this star wise. Time, yeah. The the mixed tag. I got that crown jewel. <laughs> Dusty and Sapphire with Elizabeth versus Sherry and Savage. Awesome, fun time. Sherry's amazing, selling oh everything. Oh my god! And she has the Snow White outfit, yeah. and and then she's got the wrestling trunks underneath, and Sapphire in the slim fast. Yeah. Oh god, that's that, yes. Yeah. Sardines and oatmeal monsoon. Roads touch Sherry <laughs> right. first. Any angle but that one. Yeah. You know all that stuff. Jesse's hilarious. Problems with the weight combina- combination <laughs> yeah. weight of Dusty Rose and Sapphire. He says it's off by like 100 pounds. He said with the combined weight of 465 pounds. Uh, I don't know. I didn't You're hear telling that. me that Rhodes only weighs 200? Uh, I didn't hear that. Because I know damn well Sapphire weighs two and a half. And of course, Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. And also the Rona Barrett interview yeah. with Miss Elizabeth prior. prior. It's yeah. like, oh, Miss Elizabeth, you're beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Rona. Thank you, Rona. I, advisory capacity. <laughs> all that. Like, all that shit. Uh, and then we have a throwaway match. A piece of shit. An absolute disgrace. Something that could have been so much better had the Rockers not been hungover or high or both or whatever. It's the crappy Orient Express, the one with well, the Shinja. Uh, right, and, and I Tanaka. always contend that the reason why this went wrong is because um, Fuji threw cocaine in Marty Janine's face <laughs> at the end of the match, and then he yeah. like tripped over the because uh, he was high. Right, yeah, he was that's, high that's from the cocaine. It, it's all explained. Sure. Really. So the Orient Express and the Rockers have a very disappointing match where uh, they the <laughs> Express win by countout because <laughs> Marty Janine. And he falls over the barricade and gets counted out. Right. And I always say that this is the basis of the 1,000 matches they have on Coliseum video and stuff because yes. they, it's like they're like apologizing for it for right. a year. But they wouldn't have a good one until Paul Diamond replaced Sato. Exactly. That was yeah. what was needed there. And then Duggan, who gets a very tepid reaction from the Canadian crowd, right. faced Dino Bravo. Yeah. And Dino Bravo. Yeah has Earthquake with him, leading Gorilla to bitch about how Earthquake doesn't have a manager's license. Right. Oh, he is so mad about that. Yeah, totally. I'm sure, Jesse the body, that Earthquake does not have a manager's license. Why is he allowed out there? Now, how do you know he doesn't? Because he's a wrestler and you can't hold both licenses. So Duggan wins, but Earthquake just beats the shit out of an avalanche's uh, Duggan after the match like three times for fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just another like, for the know, kids. Earthquake thing. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's fun. Uh, DiBiase and Jake have a very, very long-ish match. Or that, maybe that, it just feels long. Well, it incites a wave in the crowd. Yeah, so I guess it feels now, long, right? Now, Joseph, uh, for many years, yes, you, Michael. Did, you did not know about any of this extracurricular activity because of the fact yes. that the Coliseum tape edited it all out. It but, did. It clipped out like four minutes of this match Which or is a long time yeah. because this match, is there's like a headlock for minutes. That's where the wave happens, right? right yeah. And Jesse gets all into it and Gorilla yeah. tries to no-sell it, you yeah. know? And like Gorilla, actually, I always wondered if Gorilla was like, what's a wave? No, like, I'm sure he knew he, what the wave was. He seems so confused about what the crowd's doing because now there's two waves, one in the upper decks and one another in the lower decks. Oh, there it is going yeah. around here. But anyway, DiBiase defeated Virgil by count out. Now, to- 
This is an important ending, though. Yeah, to regain his million dollar championship, but DiBiase kind of lingers around afterwards, which right. becomes important in this next match. But they don't film it, which is very clever. Like yeah. you don't see DiBiase like where he goes right. after this. So the Twin Towers now, Quinn, they yep. face off against each other. The big boss man who had recently turned face after refusing Ted DiBiase's money, right? On superstars yep. on Brother Love Show, on the Brother Love Show, yep. faces Akeem with Slick. In a minute and 50. I mean, it's nothing. Bossman wins. Before the match, I just want to say also, before the match, Virgil had this whole running away with the title thing, yes. blah, blah, blah. DiBiase is nowhere to be found, so you're like, where the fuck did he go? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out he was under the ring the whole time, and he beats the shit out of the big boss man yeah. before the match. He and does. What a great, like, totally, like, everything makes sense there. It's I perfect. love the whole storyline of it. Well, and it moves, it shows the crowd right there at WrestleMania that now DiBiase is fighting Big Boss Man. Right, and it's it, a perfect transition. It closes and the And DiBiase would have another good transition like that the next year the with next Sherry year. Yes, and everything. But anyway, yeah, um, you know, it's a quick win for the Boss Just Man. Just to show that he's going to be the one pushed here. He's yeah, Akeem is gone one. for good. He's pretty much never Slick seen. Slick just takes him away or whatever, I don't <laughs> know. Slick goes to hang out with the Warlord. So Steve Allen shows up, right? Yeah. And he uh, obviously points out that Jimmy Snuka is wearing his wife's underwear, as we know. Right. In a match that just seems like it's just them talking while yeah. like Rick Root squishes Jimmy Snuka, yeah. which is... How we- the mighty have fallen. Very weird, because Jimmy Snuka, this was like right near the beginning-ish of his comeback, like early 90. Like he came, came back at WrestleMania five. He came back at, at WrestleMania five, but it didn't really the ball didn't really get rolling because if you watch the superstars before that, they're just starting to really like Jimmy Snook is a thing now. Really? Like yeah, it took like that long. Yeah, wow. It, it takes a while. I remember the early ninety superstars. It's a lot of Snooka push, and Rude just kind of beats him up rather quickly in four right? minutes. And I think this match was to establish that Rude was like mm-hmm. getting ready to fight you know, the winner of the next match. Getting ready to cut his hair. Yeah, exactly. And of course, the ultimate challenge, which we've talked about a lot, it's the ultimate warrior, the intercontinental champion, defending that and challenging for Hulk Hogan's WWF World Championship. Right. And what more can you say about this match that Titanic has already battle. been said? Yeah. Um, you know, both titles on the line. Amazing Yeah, it's concept. fantastic. I mean, seriously, I've always said this is like the definition of a main event, these two. Yep, man. What a great thing to do for I WrestleMania. I can't stretch en- stress enough how big the title versus title thing so is. Awesome. It's so great. It and never happened before. And we've talked about it a million times, but, you know, the the Huckster loses. Yeah, and, clean. You know, he goes away very sadly on the card. Doesn't make no holds barred. Gives his belt. You know, yeah, it gives his belt to Warrior. Right. And we go off the air with the Warrior as the WWF World Champion, Hulk Hogan, losing clean at WrestleMania. Amazing. It really is, honestly, yeah. if you think about it. So that's the rundown of WrestleMania's 10 and 6. But Quinn, it's ranking time. And I want to, while we're doing this, part of the factor in ranking, we should consider the ambiance, right? Mm. We can should consider the celebrity guests consider the feel of the show, all these things, and the matches, of course, the match quality. Right. I came so close to giving that match five stars when it happened. It was right on the border, but my rule of thumb is is when, I, when the match is over and I go, is it five or four and three quarters? Who cares? WrestleMania 10 has the better wrestling, let's be honest. Yes. In terms of to the, be fair, but there's a lot of junky matches on there. Let's not be let's not be ridiculous here. But it does have two maybe the the greatest WWF matches of all time, or True. at least up to that point in Bret and Owen and the ladder match. Mm-hmm. But this isn't all about match, right? Because it can't about be. entertainment. It's about exactly that's it's about what WrestleMania is all about, right? Now WrestleMania 10 was the first one, Quinn, where they really started to do a bit of navel gazing about their own history. 
that's showing true. all those clips. But I, I kind of like navel gazing. Well, it's some word, yeah. <laughs> but it's a nice, uh, it's a nice package. I would say that <laughs> it's definitely a to package. see all these WrestleMania moments, like Gorilla Monsoon, ah, WrestleMania two, yeah, <laughs> you know all that. Yeah, at ten, they they do like to go through each and every one and yeah, they talk do. about it. I mean, it even starts with Andre like celebrating with the <laughs> heartfelt music or whatever. <laughs> right. ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the celebrities? Six has them beat, right? I mean, tens oh, are good. Question: You got Robert Goulet singing. You got Canada. Uh, Mary Richards. Yeah, she'll uh, always be Mary Richards to me. Right, you got... <laughs> Uh, Rona Barrett. Rona Barrett. With, oh, Rona. Oh, thank you, Rona. Yeah, thank you. You got Steve Allen, who's awesome. Steve Allen. I think that's it, right? In terms um, of WrestleMania celebrities for six? I feel like there's one more. They're, none of them are out of place, though. No. That's not the thing. All. They it's, all do it's, a, it's a great, good role. It's a great little cast. Now, let's what, put it that way. But what about 10? I mean, Donnie Wahlberg, awesome ring announcer. Yes. Donnie, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds with his hand. <laughs> Drunk or as shit. I'm happier to be here than you are. Yeah, drunk as shit. And he, I don't know what happened to his hand. Um, <laughs> Probably uh, up fell. all night. Yeah, yeah. They want to go to Fan Fest. Yeah, I, I'm going to be up all night. <laughs> right. Jenny Garth is there as the timekeeper for but the other man. Nobody really cares. cares about that. Uh, Side Sperling gives Fink hair. Right. We have two ring announcers. You know, Bill Dunn. Also, don't forget. Yeah, don't forget about him. <laughs> I don't know. I think Six has. They're more charming. It's, but Ten's got good celebrities. Honestly, having Mary Tyler Moore is actually kind of a big celebrity for them, at least. Like she, at that point in time mary tyler moore was like a legend her show had only ended like 11 years earlier it right. wasn't like really really old right so people she knew was known. who she was right? right it's like to me that's actually like that's a surprisingly high caliber of a celebrity for wrestlemania now what about burt reynolds he was doing evening shade right but burt reynolds was in the, the evening later, shade sucks by evening the way shade is terrible he was in the later part like the 70s was the last time he was big yeah it was until uh boogie nights that reinvigorated right. them and exactly. that wasn't until 98 i want to say 97 if you ask me burt reynolds was like trying to reboot his career at right. that point he wasn't like a big thing and donnie Wahlberg, i mean this is the dying days of new kids on the block right by 94 so for donnie Wahlberg, he hadn't also gone into the second act of his career and right. been an actor right. and, and actor? All, pop, all popular and stuff. Married so, Jenny McCarthy and right. all that. Right, so I just feel like WrestleMania 10, they caught celebrities who were on the downturn. Well, that's Steve Allen and Rona Barrett. They weren't a big deal by 90. Steve Allen kind I of always, was, you think? See, I always think of Steve Allen throughout his career, other than when he was really old in like the 2000s and or he hated 90s. wrestling suddenly. Yeah. That happened. Oh, really? I <laughs> yeah. didn't know that. He turned on it. But anyway, Steve Allen, I always thought was uh, like, he's an, he's a constant. He's like kind of like Frank Sinatra. Like there's never a time when Steve Allen is not like okay. famous. Okay, like, that's fair. Understood. He's like a legend, you know? Rona Barrett wasn't uh, Rona Barrett, relevant no. by then. It had been about then. 10 years yeah. since she was relevant. She was kind of the, the hanger on there. Right. So that's the celebrity involvement. In terms of, we, and we've covered the matches. I mean, the best match at six, I guess, in ring probably still is Hogan Warrior. Yeah, right? I would say so. Yeah, definitely. The mixed tag is really fun. Right, I would a, say a lot of the matches are fun. So at a six. lot of matches, had, a lot of matches at six are just fun. I'd say probably the second best match actually would be the Demolition versus Colostomy. Fun, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Colostomy. Yeah, would you say that six has more consistent like middle of the road matches? I'd say six. Ten has hills and valleys. When you say consistent. I think pacing is way better. There's okay. not a lot of like boring, and there's like fucking fourteen matches on the on the main card. Right. If you don't include the dark match. Whereas ten has what? If off the top of my head, I'd probably say seven or eight. Right? Yeah, but the thing with six is, is just it rolls by. Six does roll by. That's one of the things about it. I think as an overall produced show, it's just paced so well. 
Jesse and Gorilla, and you know commentary matters to me a real lot. Yeah. I mean, Vince and King are good at 10. Don't get me wrong. They're yeah. actually good. Jesse and Gorilla are hilarious and fun and entertaining and, like, cozy. Yeah. There's just something cozy about WrestleMania uh, you 6. You could just put this show on at any time and just feel comfortable. Like, right. Even if you've never seen it before. Seriously, like, yeah, you it, could turn this on and you're like... You're not lost. You're not lost. Everything's explained. It's even got early versions of video packages for things it like, does. to explain stuff. It does. It's great. It's definitely more quotable for us anyway. Uh, we yeah. don't know about you fans. Obviously, let us know your rankings. You can do that on Twitter. You can email us or join the group. Definitely more quotable. This yeah. is so funny, this show. It's just so funny. But, okay, back to 10 for a second, yeah. though. Go just, ahead. Since we're ranking here, it's like, how do you reconcile the ladder match? Because that, yeah. Because some people might say, "Oh, well, that would just elevate this above everything." Not only that, Brett and Owen is a hot yes, opener. And that, yeah, that. Th- so you got those two. Those are like huge, big right. tentpole, like great matches. They set the tone for the era of like this is the kind of wrestling you're going to get out of this generation, right? Brett and Sean shine, yeah, on WrestleMania 10, and that they would be the two big stars for the next several years, right? Not only that, it is truly the close of the Yoko era, which, symbolic or not, I mean, now Bret Hart... I would say it's a good thing. It is good. (laughs) Bret Hart, now the world champion. So the impact there, whereas at six, it was supposed to be the close of the Hogan era. Right, but it wasn't. And it wasn't really. But, I mean, that's not the show's fault, to be fair. It's not the show's fault, but we're just, you know, considering the impact of both title victories. It is a tough one for me because I feel like on a technical level, 10 is better. However, on a just strictly watchable level, enjoyment, six makes the most out of very small parts that aren't like great. Like, so the it, sum is greater than its parts. Exactly. Whereas at 10, Where there's 10, just, the parts are greater than its sum. Like, I think let's, you're right. Let's put it that I way. I think you're right because with a roster that included Randy Savage and he's relegated to that. I don't like that match. You can't change my mind. I tried to like it. I did a commentary. Right. It's not good, right? Yeah. It's not good. Randy Savage crushes. The feud is good. The it match stinks. stinks. Uh, Bam Bam and Luna. I mean, that's fun, but uh, again, it's, there's Dink involved. So, I mean, is this about you Dink? Can, you can only say so much, really. It's true. Uh, shit, 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 shit. You're right. On a technical level, in terms of the wrestling ability and all that, yeah, 10 clearly but is that's better. that's also, again, that's only based off two matches. Yeah. Because the rest of it's kind of shitty. Kind of shitty. Yeah. Right? There's nothing remarkable. I'm just saying there's some real stinkers in there, like Crush vs. Savage. Luger vs. Yoko is poopy. Yeah. I mean, I'm Brett Yoko is poopy, and I'm the biggest Bret Hart fan there is, but... The the Quebecers thing. It's okay. It's It's not great. Yeah, I don't love it. It's okay. The very short women's match. But again, there's no other real standout match at six. Well, the mixed tag stands out. It's memorable. I wouldn't say it's a great match no. or anything, but I mean, it's also, I don't know, Sapphire is kind of, she's not really a wrestler. No, like, so it's, but it's they don't kinda, pretend she is. Yeah, it's not, it's not fair. I never thought it was fair to like even rank that because it's like a not, it's mostly about it's Elizabeth and, and shit like that. Right. Like it's not really, it's about the storyline. It's about, this is where Macho is at this point Correct. in time, right? It's like that kind of thing. And it's a cool, it's a nice little thing for Dusty Rhodes to do, like to make it, it onto a wrestler. I always thought that was like nice of them. Like it's yep. like Dusty Rhodes is a legend. He should get like a match. And he's great at WrestleMania 6. <sighs> See, my, my gut says 6 should be number 1. Me too. Definitely. Just, but what does it, the science say? Well, I That's always the think, thing, Quinn. Are we, here's the thing. We're ranking the whole show. Right? Correct. If we were ranking WrestleMania matches, I think the pieces from 10 would easily, yeah. you know, those matches would easily. But if we're looking at the whole show as a, as a whole. Holistic. 
if the sum of it, the parts are better than with 10, that the parts aren't only the parts. It doesn't add up, right? Yeah. I think the sum of the parts should be more, they should have more weight. I agree with you. Yeah. Because if you watch a show like WrestleMania 10, it's not hard to watch. Right. And the commentary is good. And the feel is good. And there's two excellent matches and a great moment at the end with Brett winning. There's right. it's all that's all the good stuff, right? But WrestleMania six from start to finish is just pleasurable. Right. It's enjoyable. And it's got a great ending just it's like, got a great Yeah. I mean, you can't argue that that ending is maybe better than WrestleMania ten. I mean that without ending, the surrounding context, maybe. Right. You know I, I mean it's a it's a great moment. Um it is. The warrior holding up both belts. Right. I mean, it's pretty triumphant. Not only that, WrestleMania six has a bigger feel to it yep. than ten. I mean, ten's big, but, in, but in MSG, again, 10 I love is the Garden. I, mean, I love let's, MSG. Let's not crap on that. I would never. Yeah, but I think six holistically overall, I think it's the better WrestleMania. I agree. And we always say it's holistic. It so. is. It's scientific. Okay, it's holistic. So let's, it's organic. Let's, let's do it. Six seems to be the winner in this, okay. this contest here. So for round one, we will be putting WrestleMania six at number one and WrestleMania ten at number. Too. And I think that's fair, Quinn. Congratulations to WrestleMania 6, the greatest WrestleMania ever. Honestly, when you think of WrestleManias and what they should be, WrestleMania 6 encapsulates it all. It's got a great feel, it's big, and it's got a hell of a main event. Yeah, it like, really does. It's kind of unbelievable that 6, uh, uh, you know, it doesn't have that many good matches on it. But but that's it, consistent. But that that makes it the best one that ever happened. That makes in, it in the, the best one. Of WrestleMania. That's it's right. unbelievable. Or until two weeks from now. Yep. But folks, next week we'll be back with round two of the Royal Flush. So let us know what you're thinking here about the flush and the rankings. Let us know yours. You can do that again by tweeting at us. You can email us or, of course, join the group. But, Quinn, when we come back, it is a oft-forgotten, very lost, buried piece of WCW's history. And we're going to talk all about it right after this. Hi, folks. I'm here in this uh, appropriate acoustic environment to rehearse the Russian national anthem with my favorite Soviet Union tag team partners, Nikolai Volkov and Boris Yukov. You ready, guys? Okay, I don't plan to hit it that hard, but I'll do my best. I get no kick from Ukraine. Hey, that's not the Russian national anthem. I know that. It's just a little joke to warm up the crowd. Give us a break here. Okay, here we go. Hey! Hey, yourself. I know it's not the Russian national anthem. What is it? You play the Polish national anthem. <laughs> well, send your postcards directly to him. Anyway, we're still warming up. Here we go now. A one and a two and... Perestroika and Glasnost, I dig them the utmost. And how is your sister tonight? Hey, we're getting hot for you warming up. Let's go. Enough with the hay. No more stalling. Okay, let's do one from the heart, folks. Let's do one for the homeland. Let's hear it from Mother Russia. Here we go. And now, back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 122. And Quinn, before we review a very dark, 
poorly kept secret in WCW's history. It's, it's the worst kept secret. I want to tell you about some best kept secrets in podcasting. Retro wrestling podcasting, that is. There are three friends of the show that we want you to check out. And we're going to start with the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN. It is hosted by two men. One guy is a retired referee. His name is Big Daddy Mike Crockett. The meanest of the mics, the biggest of the daddies. The most retired of the referees. He, very retired. And his, Super retired. Very retired. And his partner, Quinn, you can find in a couple of weeks at the big MSG show. He's the, officially signed, baby. The brawler, Brian Malonis. Uh, Wine City. Weller. Wine City Wellers. Uh, he'll Forever. always be the Wine City Weller to me. That's right. These guys do a great show because they take their perspective as people that have worked in wrestling and they use that to their advantage because they'll give you some insights into the way the business works. Sometimes you get an interview, some reflection on the past. Sometimes they'll cover some old stuff. It's a really fun show. It is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Check it out. Also check out on Thursdays the critically acclaimed all the critics have been talking about this show I, it's really it's really quite a story it really is uh, it, the story of a young bostonian man <laughs> uh, rising to the top of the podcast world that's right and it is called greetings from allentown gf allentown hosted by one man peter winson and uh, basically what pete does is he takes a one-hour show of wrestling and while he reviews it he talks about so many other things and in such an entertaining quirky style that you've got to check it out it's greetings from allentown gf allentown and also check out if you like your wrestling with some barbecue sauce barbecue grits Check out Book in the Territory. They are south of the Mason-Dixon line. They are our southern fried brethren. They like Jim Cornette. They like Jim Cornette. They like Jim Crockett. Well, Jim Crockett's good. Jim Cornette, I don't know. Well, we'll find out. But they basically do two shows. So Mike Mills and Book in the Territory, they'll cover the NWA era. They're in 87 right now, the Crockett years. And they will also cover Smoky Mountain. So check them out. They are the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Very classy. It is Book in the Territory. So our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing. Greetings from Allentown and Book in the Territory. But Quinn, there's a territory <laughs> that there, we're going to cover here. It's quite uncharted. a territory. It's, I don't even know if it's on this plane of reality. It's well, something all right. So a couple of weeks back, Quinn got a very exciting uh, present in the mail, yeah, obviously. On, in the tape mail. Yeah, in the uh, tape mail. <laughs> yeah, we, we're part of that circuit oh, of yeah, mail. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it was a crusty old dirty copy Quinn VHS copy of the last ever WCW Worldwide now we had reviewed the week prior the to this one the Penny Ultimate yeah the, Penny Ultimate the, is how it's, it's pronounced called, right? yes absolutely the we would review the March 24th 2001 version of Worldwide which was literally a day after uh, WCW was sold I think thought to be for quite some time the last remnant of Correct. this show but recently uncovered folks yes uh, brand new unearthed is the final WCW Worldwide from March 31st, 2001. Now, a word on this date, okay? WrestleMania 17 was the day after this. Oh, boy. March 26th, which was five days prior to this airing, mm -hmm. is where Vince McMahon appeared on the final Nitro and announced that he owns his competition. He does own WCW. I own WCW. But five days later, we have a final Worldwide. <laughs> right. So this exists in, like, the ether ether what, yes what would you call what is this <laughs> that's a great question quinn because while watching this 
It is both funny and sad at the same time. It's, it's a little bit of both. It is. And it's kind of... It's, it's a kind dramedy. Of, it's kind of great that it exists. It's kind of great that it exists because not only does it uh, give us a final farewell to WCW, right. but it does it in the weirdest fashion that you could possibly imagine. In the most WCW fashion <laughs> right. that you could possibly imagine. Like, you would think, before we get into it, you would think, you know, they it's their final show. We're going to have a retrospective of maybe some of the greatest moments in WCW's history. Something like that, right? Some heartfelt things that go on. Well, you would think we would even acknowledge that at the beginning of the <laughs> right, show. Right, right, right. But no, none of that. It is just as awkward as the last WCW Worldwide that we reviewed, the one the week prior. Right. And not heartfelt at all. It's very no. abrupt. It's very jokey. Yeah, disjointed. So I guess we should get into it, Quinn. This is... This is it. WCW Worldwide, March 31st. The company's out of business. <laughs> yeah. They, there is no WCW. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Quinn, uh, you had noted it was presented by Extreme Wrestling Tours. Yes, remember them? They yes, were like... They were the successor to the other wrestling torrents like private thing i'm surprised that they had their own branding yeah, on this, the beginning of this they video. must have like uncovered it because it, it looks like it came from under a garbage can <laughs> you know the quality of this episode right it is complete garbage yes it's as if like somebody found the vhs tape under the merv griffin set like <laughs> from seinfeld like when kramer found it in the garbage right like this tape was like slipped underneath that so kramer found it maybe right maybe, maybe. kramer found it although that episode was before this but <laughs> But it is this quality. If you ever get your hands on this, it looks like a 19th generation VHS copy. It's black and white. If I had to give it a level, it's level zero. Seriously. It's horrible. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It's black and white. There's no color and it's all fuzzy. Now, all of this being said, the audio is crystal <laughs> yeah, clear. Yeah, what? Like, I, that makes no sense at all. What, did someone tape this while they were stealing cable? Like, I, I don't what, understand. It look like this. So anyway, that worldwide whatever theme to start here, the same one. Now, it's a little different because I think the one from the last episode, wasn't that not this set being the set being set up? Wasn't that the, the last time we watched Worldwide? Wasn't it them in like a control room and a guy with like a future, like a headset thing and all that shit? Like instead, it's just them setting up the worldwide set. Yeah, I don't opening. know what it is. Is. is it is this a special opening for this last one? It's they, like, well, we had to set it up just because there is no set anymore. Shouldn't they be tearing it down? It's so sad, really. It last time sad. ever. Last so, time whatever. ever. But honestly, I can't even tell what's going on. Like, this could be a cooking show for all I know. You can't see shit. How are you? Welcome again, and it's more American cooking. This time, the barbecue. I can't see shit. So we're joined by Scott Hudson and Old Cheese Breath himself. You, you when... mean the ghosts of Scott <laughs> Hudson, Mike? Tonight, they, they look so spooky with this, like. <laughs> The video. I know here. they do. And welcome to WCW Worldwide. I'm Scott Hudson, the professor. Iron Mike Denae is here on this edition of Worldwide. And we're going to have the professor's pick of the week. Hopefully he's picking a new job. Well, uh, I think he doesn't have really an alternative. <laughs> we talk about WCW greed without a hint of irony. You know, the greed. WCW greed. And it's all irrelevant anyway because the comedy doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> we cut to the first and last WCW greed pay-per-view recently where we crashed. Quinn, the first ever WCW Tag Team Cruiserweight Champions. What a poor title. I can't even tell who's wrestling because the quality is so bad. Yep. I, I don't know who won. They don't even say. And you know what? All that just seems right because why should you know? I mean, this <laughs> this show is like ghost or yeah. something. Like, I think it's better that it's left. Like, it's don't even fitting. look up on Wikipedia who won it. I mean, it doesn't I, matter. I did, and I can tell you if you want to know. Now, actually, the more important fact to me yeah. is... With how the booking is with WCW, is there two cruiserweight tag team champions somehow? Even though, like, this is—I <laughs> no, like, don't think so. Like, did they have the time to flip the belts like immediately? <laughs> no, I don't know. Do you want to know who won though? 
what, three count or some well, team like that? it was actually Elix Skipper and mm-hmm. Kid Romeo. And again, I had to look this up because that could be Desi Arnaz wrestling for all I know. I don't know. Seriously. Now stop picking on me, will you? You're getting me all confused. Anyway, Quinn, next up, the tag champions, Chuck Palumbo and Sean O'Hare. God, remember them? Yeah. They made it to WWE. <laughs> they did, actually. They defeated the team that didn't, uh, Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger. Now, if you recall, wasn't that the team they were hyping in that like yeah. weird vignette in the last <laughs> yes, one was. we watched? The abs vignette. Yeah. Uh, when O'Hare hit two Sean-ton bombs on I, Fred Mertz or something. Hideous. I hate that. <laughs> Sean-ton bomb. Get the hell out of here. Like, that's such like a Jeff Hardy ripoff. It is. Like, uh, Swanton. Doesn't Swan he always hurt his ass anytime he does yeah, that. Yeah, probably. Anyway, U.S. champ Rick Steiner, no headgear, face Booker T. Why was uh, Rick Steiner still there and the U.S. champion? Because they didn't have anyone, Joe. <laughs> Rick Steiner, though? Remember, Rick Steiner's like all over the promotion and I hate stuff. this. Uh, anyway, Booker hit that kick thing that he did, but it was apparently renamed the Ghetto Blaster, which... What? Bad News Brown would like a word with that. Yeah. And he wins this very important prestigious U.S. title that's definitely going to matter. Yeah. Well, it actually <laughs> did matter because it's the only belt that carried over. To w- it's still there to this it day. Actually with, is still with there. With the lineage and everything. Believe it or not. Uh, Dusty Rhodes then entered with a hat. Mm-hmm. Hat. And he teamed up. I have no recollection of this because I was not watching WCW in 2001. He teamed up with Dustin. Yeah, Goldust. To face Ric Flair and Jeff Jarrett? I, I could, well, what? I, yeah. Why? I, I don't think any of that matters. Uh, Dusty does the stink face, you know, the Rikishi move to Jarrett, or maybe it was Ed Norton. I can't tell. You know, this feud almost feels like it's hyping up um, that, that video that did come out even after this, where they're like, Dusty and Flair will recap. <laughs> In like May? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. World champion Scott Steiner. So two Steiners were champions on this show, by the way. Mm. Face DDP in a false count anywhere match. DDP hits a poor elbow through a table, but <laughs> Steiner still won. They don't show how. Back to the desk, finally, where Scott Hudson and Cheese talk about how great Greed was and how Get Scott Steiner's here. really good. How does this show exist? Do is, they know? I, no, the thing is, they do. Like, that's, <laughs> right, that's they do. The, but they don't want to tell us that, you know, <laughs> no, nothing that you're seeing matters at were they, all. Were they afraid that, like, if they started by saying it's the last one, people will just, just shut them yes, off? Yes, because, like, nothing, like, if anything happens, there's going to be no follow-up. <laughs> by the way, also agreed, Sugar Shane Helms won the Cruiserweight title, Wonderful. if you care. Who cares? The hurricane. Yeah. Actual quote from Scott Hudson about the next night on Nitro. Dusty Rhodes brought out that big white donkey and made Ric Flair get a power pucker going and put it to it right on the donkey's uh, derriere. And that's all you need to know right there. It's clear why the show is is going away. I That's the no big No further thing. explanation yeah, needed. That was the explanation. Right now, Quinn, it's time for the WCW trivia question. Yeah, I can barely read it, but <laughs> we can read we it. We can read it. It is, what is Dusty Rhodes' signature move? Now, I guessed um, the bionic elbow. My um, guess is the dusty finish, obviously, oh, where one guy nice. says they win and then they okay, don't win. Okay, those are two solid guesses. Solid guesses. So we talk about the cruiserweight division for a bit and that hot new piece of talent, Quinn, Jason Jett. I feel bad for this Jet fellow because, as we know, they were hyping him the last week. I, the company is dead and they're hyping him. <laughs> like, that's not, a, that seems like just a bad omen. Right, right. Like, and I, if I recall, nobody, what it, didn't you look up who he was or something? Yeah, he's nobody. Yeah, exactly. So it's like he was cursed. Right. And also, Quinn, he beat Kwee Good. In a so good. bonus match at Greed. That's like saying White Castle gives you bonus diarrhea. Aww. I got poopy. Did you just say that you uh, you went poopy? Yeah, it was good. Mm. Get him out of here. 
Anyway, we go to the University of Florida on Nitro where Disco Inferno and Mike Sanders are in the ring. It could have been Randy Orton for all I know. It's just a big blur. Like, he looks like Randy Orton, at least from the blurriness. It's like 2004 Randy Orton, kind right, of, right, yeah. with the hair. Yeah. Uh, Disco promises Alex Wright, who's what? at home, that he's going to beat Jason Jett because if you recall, Jet beat Alex Wright in his debut. Oh, right. From that thing. Oh, right. It's so weird that that worldwide set the stage (laughs) for this. And Disco says to Alex here, good luck in your singles career, you big bald loser. I know. It's very sad. Alex Wright's good. I know. We get some clips of this match now. Disco versus Jason Jet where Tony Schiavone, for the record, still awesome calling the action. Hey, he's staying there till the end, man. You know how I know he's awesome, Quinn? Because I can't see shit and I still know what's going on. Well, that's Shivani for you. He's just, he's the fourth best announcer ever or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Leapfrog! Disco hits the ropes! And a combination hip toss! Sinat powerbomb! One, two, and a two count that time! Jet hits his finisher, the crash landing, which is a gourd buster for the win. Terrible name. I know. Very bad. Back to the desk where Tanae brings up the 1996 cruiserweight division when it <laughs> like was actually rem- good. The reminiscing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's I, like, yeah, everything sucks, but you know, it used to be something. <laughs> Remember when Rey Mysterio was there? That's basically what it is. Yeah. In his cheesy voice. Uh, he <laughs> says, though, that guy's like the Young Dragons the Air the Raid. Young Dragons. Yeah, the Young Dragons Air Raid. Who is that? <laughs> and Jason Jetter in here, so it's going to be good again. Well, he talks about an influx of talent. Why use the word influx? Like, you should never use that on a company that's going out of business in 40 minutes. <laughs> like, like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, literally, the company has, I don't know, 39 minutes left in its life. <laughs> what is he talking about influx? Where are they influxing to? <laughs> He also says to keep an eye on Jason Jet Quinn. How am I supposed to do that? Like, <laughs> there is no company at the end of this. What is he talking about? How you, yeah, how are you going to keep an eye on Jason Jet? Uh, it's impossible. <laughs> There's no show. Right. There's no programming after yeah. this. Anyway, we go to break. We come back with AskWCW.com. This one's an email from Jerry in San Diego. Hi, Jerry. Mm-hmm. And his question is to Tony Schiavone. Who is your favorite wrestler to interview? So we actually clip Quinn to Shivani. Now, it's very fitting that Shivani does make an appearance on the final episode. I'm very, I was happy to see in him. In all his blurry glory. <laughs> and he says, well, I liked Ric Flair, Wahoo McDaniel, Roddy Piper, Dusty Rhodes. But his favorite, Quinn, Larry Zabisco. What? Why? <laughs> no, not Larry. <laughs> so then this is the best part of the whole show. Like, true. I'm not kidding. I'm mad at this point, but it, but, it, 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 it is amended so after after tony shivani says larry zabisco all straight faced the camera awkwardly stays on shivani for like four seconds and then he just starts laughing and that's the living legend larry zabisco (laughs) (laughs) so shivani essentially used his final moment on wcw tv to take a shit on larry zabisco i agree with that completely fine with me they even come back and even the crew is kind of ribbing. They're yeah, like, they're doing Larry chants. Right. It's like everyone's <laughs> shitting on him, like cheese breath yeah. saying so, so, stuff about him. Tanae does a Larry impression, but in his own like provolone voice. <laughs> and he's like talking about the human game of chess. And then he rambles on about Shea Stadium against Bruno. So I need to clarify <laughs> amazing. here. Mike Tanae made fun of Larry Zabisco for the Bruno references. Right. On the final WWE yes. thing. You know, in this human game of chess that is world championship wrestling, that is can I ever remind you about the time that I wrestled at Shea Stadium against Bruno Sammartino? Not today. 
So he just went up a notch in my book. That's some extra sharp cheddar, if you <laughs> know what I'm cheese, saying. Brad. Good for cheese there. And then Scott Hudson's like, that's the worst Tony Schiavone impression I've ever heard in my they, life. They hate Larry or something. <laughs> like crapping this, on him. This was like a concerted effort to take the precious last minutes of WCW's <laughs> existence to yeah, make right. fun of Larry's Abisco. What I don't remember, and I didn't look up, is was Larry still there or not? In oh one, I don't feel like don't he was think right. So yeah, I don't know when he left. Maybe he know. was still there. He seems like Who he would have never gone away. Anyway, by the way, Quinn, check out the latest WCW magazine or pamphlet or Is whatever. It even on sale at this point, there's no way they're printing more copies and sending them to like Shoprite grocery stores or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I. And do. does it even matter? No. What are you reading about? Like they're reading about this company that's there's going to be no follow up to anything. Well, it has totally buff on the cover, and it's also going to give you a listing. Of every TV station around the world <laughs> where you can watch WCW programming. Where? None? That, that page is blank. <laughs> Seriously, what the hell? How, How did he catch that? When, that's amazing. When we come back from break, it's real-time wrestling? What, what is that? I don't understand. Well, let's find out. Scott Hudson says that the best stories are the ones they can't talk about on the air. Well, they can really talk about anything they want. There's, <laughs> there's nothing. Nobody's going to shut them off. Like, yeah, what, is Vince going to get mad? Yeah, <laughs> He's like, our boss. There's like 26 minutes left in WCW history. What is he What is he scared of? But he says he says it's the stuff that goes on inside the dressing room. The gaga that yeah, you can... Yeah. That's what they say. The gaga. The gaga. That's, like, that's, in the, that's a term in the dirt sheets all the time. The gaga around the dressing room is this. Yeah, the gaga that you can only find in the newsletter, Scott Hudson says. Yeah, the sheets. But he literally says, Quinn, real-time wrestling breaks the fourth wall. What? So they literally don't care now. Now, there are secrets here, but I don't know if we'll be able to find out what they are. Right. Because yeah. we can't read them. Yeah. Tanae says that real-time wrestling is his second favorite segment on World Time because his favorite is Professor's Pick. And Scott Hudson says, is that still on? Which is a legitimate question because is, is this even still <laughs> right, on? Right. Is the show airing? Yeah. Anyway, for no reason, for some godforsaken reason, we go back to sold out 2000. Now. In the bumper, some lady whispers, real time wrestling. And like, I'm like, Jesus, like, oh boy. Like, this is like, this is one of the reasons probably why this company, like these bumpers. Oh they're just, God. They're just too much. It's DDP versus Buff Bagwell from Sold Out 2000. No rules, no ref, last man standing and Quinn. Bobby Heenan's still on commentary. Yeah. I know, he's still fine no, They had here. to go back a year to find him. Yeah, but. it's true. He was gone by now. Yeah. I cannot read, like you mentioned, Quinn, what all these pop-up graphics are saying. But, but these are supposed to give us the hot, like, dirt sheet rumors or something like, about this match. But why are we putting... I don't know. It's like the precursor to Conrad. They're reading the dirt <laughs> sheets, like, while this old match is happening. Tell me about that time DDP fought Buff Marlowe sold out 2000. I love you for that. Do, do you think, since we can't read any of the stuff, do you think some of it, like, literally was like chat me up and then a fact yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big slugfest ddp gets the upper hand then we clip to buff dominating outside the announcers are acting like it's the most intense thing well, ever they should i mean it is yeah it, i mean that is their job uh-huh right? yeah but it's fucking one half of the american males and a guy who used to arm wrestle dave sullivan like come on chill <laughs> anyway more mindless brawling as we keep clipping they brawl at some table with monitors and bobby's like it's like two guys fighting for a tv at the bargain bin <laughs> now from my understanding this is like the internet section Yes, so all I see is people hitting each other with the internet or something and lots of pop-up fly-ins. Like, we should just use that throughout the rest of the review. It's absolutely excessive. It's irritating. Yeah. Two guys fighting for a TV at the bargain barn. 
Tony has a great line, though. He's like, he hit him with a keyboard. He hit him with a keyboard. That's like too a tribute Dusty. to Dusty. Yeah, too bad Dusty wasn't there. Oh, he hit him with a keyboard. Bagwell scales a scaffold like two feet and hits a crummy elbow. It might be the same scaffold they put his mom on. <laughs> Don't bring that up. They make their way back to ringside, and apparently this had something to do with Kimberly, we find out. Yeah, like, she strolls out later. He, she does. Yeah. We, we go in the ring for some back and forth, helpfully clipped several times. Buff poses, DDP gets up, kicks his ass. Holy shit, this is long. It's very long. And there's a song under this the whole time. There's music under this whole thing. Yeah, it's literally the only segment ever where we need to see the screen and we can't, by the true, way. It's true, because it's like pop-up video, basically. Like a lot of it, though. And there's even, like, you can tell there's pop-ups of pictures and stuff. Yeah, but, but I have no idea what it I is. I can't see any of it. Buff hits a Vader bomb and then goes up for the blockbuster. He hits it, but Kimberly wanders down the aisle, distracts him. We hear the bell ring for yeah. no reason. She looks very furry, by the way, in the in the blur. Yeah, whatever she's wearing looks furry. You're yeah, right. There was some fur. There's some fur. Uh, DDP hits a diamond cutter, and then he and Kimberly walk out together, but like they're not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, well, from what I can tell from the blur screen. Yeah. Like, but the announcers are confused. They're like, why is this happening? Yeah, and then it just ends, and they never really touch on it ever again. So, great segment because there. Because it's, it's an angle from over a year ago. Right. Like, who cares? It's true. Some text appears on the screen, like the whole screen. It looks like our constitution written in Arabic. <laughs> yeah. I cannot see what it says. I guess some legal text or something. <laughs> I don't know, what, I don't it know what it was. Back to Scott and Cheese Breath here, where Hudson says there's a court order. Now, do you think that the text from before actually was the court order for Professor's pick? Oh, Instead, maybe. Instead, like yeah. it's not part of the other segment because we can't see it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, and also, does this basically mean they have nothing else? Right, so they had to like hog the whole show with yeah, this? Because they say that the Professor's pick is going to be too Two segments for the show. Yeah. Two that, segments. That's code for like, there, we have nothing. We, we, there's no footage left to show. So <laughs> so basically, today digs up Dusty's previous last WCW match until Greed. That was the 1994 angle where he helped Dustin against the stud stable. Now we're so, talking about 94 on this 94? show. 94? Yeah. Really? Like the glory days of WCW 94? You could have shown anything from the Crockett era or whatever. Anything. Yeah. Anything. We clipped to Dusty talking to his own son in the ring, and Dusty says, I'm going to be a good partner. I'm just begging you, give me a hug, give me a kiss. It's a great <laughs> promo. I'm not kidding. Yeah. It's like very it's emotional. silent in the background. I don't need a handshake. What I need now from you is just a hug and a kiss to seal the deal, baby. <laughs> Very heartfelt promo by Dusty during a forgotten angle. Mm -hmm. Then we get another interview with Dusty somewhere trying to convince the Nasty Boys to help him and Dustin out at War Games. And hey, I see Moolah behind Dusty. Oh, wait, that's Johnny B. Bad. <laughs> like, I don't know where they were. I don't know yeah. why Johnny B. Bad is lingering behind yeah. them. Uh, Dusty isn't quite sure if the Nasty Boys are nasty enough, so they just beat up random people. Mm -hmm. Again, no idea where they are. Is, are they in a bar? Where are they? I don't know, but again, it's super quiet in it the is. background. Dusty says, I on Andathan. Yeah. The Nasties accept Dusty's invite, and it's time now, Quinn, for our trivia answer. Guess what? You were right. Yay! I actually had trouble with this when I was guessing it. Only are you serious? Because well, because Dusty doesn't have a true finisher. He does the bionic el elbow, like, casually. Like, he never really beats anybody It's just it. like his play-to-the-crowd move, right? But that's the only move I could ever identify with Dusty yeah. Rose, so I just took a, a, a wild guess. You were right. Yeah. Bionic elbow. 
Scott and Cheesy here talk about how the specialty matches are good in WCW, but nothing is like war games, mm. which they'll never have like in WCW 1, again. thousand rules. <laughs> yeah. Cheese face goes over all the rules. You know, it's on to have a coin toss and then the person comes in. And, and weirdly, the transition to the match coming up is tonight pointing a remote and then like a fake CRT like blob <laughs> yeah, what? like appears on the ring. Very fancy. Very fancy for a company going yeah. out of business, right? That was the last of the budget. But, well, I mean, there's only like 10 minutes left. Right. So, but, you know, we might as well just blow it all here, right? <laughs> we throw to Roanoke, Virginia for War Games 94, where it's Dusty and Dustin and the Nasties taking on Colonel Parker, Terry Funk. I didn't even know he was here Me in neither. 1994. Iron Anderson mm-hmm. and Bunkhouse Buck. And yes, if you're wondering, this main evented That's weird. War Games 94. Very strange. We're joined in progress with Iron and Dusty and uh, Dustin in the ring. Excuse Iron me. Anderson. Iron Anderson. Tony and Bobby are on commentary during their very good era yes, of 94. Yes, this is the excellent era. Like how we did when we covered that recent episode of Saturday Night. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Where they're really still good. So we're right here at the end of the first period to count down to see who's next. Of course, Randy Anderson drops the coin he on the coin toss. with <laughs> the whole thing. With the coin. Uh, Parker's team wins the toss, so Bunkhouse Buck storms in. Bobby plays Jerry Lawler for some exposition so Tony can explain the rules. Or it's either that or he really didn't know the rules because it's his be first surprised. war games. Yeah, when, no, nobody knows the rules. <laughs> At one point, Tony's like, didn't you read the rules? And Bobby's like, the director wrote it in crayon. <laughs> Those rules are so damn confusing that even when they brought back war games to WWE, they had to like change them. Yeah, I know. Did you ever notice that? Yes. How come no one ever talks about how convoluted the rules were? They're ridiculous. It's just accepted that like this is how war games works. I don't like that it's just like unfair. (laughs) Like, why would you build a match that is you have 1000 rules and the rules are designed to not be fair? That's weird, right? Yeah, I I never caught on to that. But why don't the both sides come in at the same time, like a Royal Rumble or something? Because that would be ripping off. No, that came first. I don't. War games came first. I just don't understand. Well, anyway, the heels beat down Goldust for a while as Dusty cheerleads. He's also wearing, we need to mention, Dusty's wearing a Nasty Boy shirt. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it makes him look fatter, especially with the glob yeah. shit that <laughs> we're watching. Yeah. Arn and Buck each grab a leg for a Boston Crab on Dustin. A lot as we, of Buck in a this lot of pay-per-view. Buck. I like Buck, though. Yeah. I'm yeah, not, I have no problem with Bunkhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we count down, and Jerry Sags comes in. That's right. Jerry Sags is a house of fire. Yeah, all in the last <laughs> minutes of WCW ever. <laughs> Body more, slams for everybody. Yeah, more Sags. More Sags. He kills both heels, including a nice pile driver on Bunkhouse Buck. By the way, what a weird choice of match. For the final show ever, it's like this random war game. Yes. Yeah, you would think, like, I don't know, Flair versus Dusty. It really makes Sting. me, you know, it really makes me wonder, maybe they had like a fleeting hope when they were producing this that they would get to like go on by themselves. I don't know, Because the way this is produced really does feel like it's like, oh, it's just going to be, we're, we'll be off for a couple months and like we'll redu- <laughs> resume doing this shit. Well, listen, if they were trying to sell themselves <laughs> on having a show, they did a poor choice here with some of these selections. Dustin grabs a sleeper on Iron Anderson while Sags fats around with Bunkhouse. Terry Funk throws a chair at the cage, then takes his boot off, prompting Tony to say, he's got a boot! Well, he does. He does. He's got a boot! The announcers are so into this match that they hype up uh, Flair Hogan <laughs> coming up at Halloween Havoc next month. Time counts down. Sags pile drives 
Funk in between the two rings yeah, and, and Funk falls through the cracks. Bobby's like, have you ever seen anything like this? They, they fell in the abyss and he yeah. like keeps talking about it. Yeah, it was a nice spot, I guess. Next up is Nobbs who cleans house. I think that's about the only thing Nobbs cleans. Uh, certainly doesn't clean his armpits. Bobby likens getting thrown into the cage to running a tomato along a screen door. <laughs> Weird. Very Bobby Heenan. The crowd is into the nasties, at least, I'll say. Uh, Dustin does big Popeye punches to Funk with the boot as we count down. And Colonel Parker is having a coronary the whole time about He's the getting best in the ring. Part of this match, so good, right? Yeah. He makes like this big scene about not wanting to get in, and he finally does only when Buck is holding Dustin. I have to say, nice tribute to the Colonel on the last show ever. He's like, awesome, a lot of Colonel Parker on this. He hurts his hand on a punch to Dustin, which is just brilliant because he's like such a wuss. You know, they made him not know how to wrestle. I love how rewritten his character is if you think about it, because he was kind of like a badass in um, Continental. Yeah, Continental. yeah. yeah. so no, it's like, he was weird that they just made him this big baby and like he, in WCW and he plays it brilliantly yeah. like having the big anxiety about getting in he finally gets in Buck is holding Dustin He's for him heavily breathing into the mic before right. he even makes it in <laughs> and then he hurts his hand punching Dustin it's, it's just so brilliant good. yeah so anyway Dusty's the only one left to come in while the heels are in control big Dusty chance from the crowd as we count down to zero Dusty gets in gets triple team but fires back with bionic elbows for everyone and the crowd loves it he's still more over than like everyone awesome like it's it's so good i'm not gonna lie i actually got into it when dusty got in the he's ring awesome. dusty he, is just he's very good at that he just is right yeah. there's just something Even about when him he's old you're still like well he's dusty Rhodes. he's yeah. gonna kick everyone's ass he's, like, he's approaching 50 here and he's right. still believable right exactly it's true you know why because he always seemed like he was 50 we can, we can barely even see him and he's believable <laughs> right the nazis kill parker while mang is trying to find a way to get in remember he's colonel's bodyguard mm-hmm. but ming cannot find a way in the ring the door is locked he's trying to climb the cage Every Everyone beats the shit out of Colonel Parker. Ming is still trying to get in there. Dusty locks in a figure four on Parker as it's absolute bedlam in there. The- I love this ending. I love that everyone beats the shit out of Colonel Parker it's while so he's in the figure four. And the crowd is so loud. Yeah. It's great. Parker screams his way through through selling the figure four and finally submits. Now, this was just about the whole match that we got to see, except the very first mm-hmm. few. Wasn't great, but man, that ending was hot, Quinn. I had to say, actually, like in the end here, they kind of did pick a good match. Like this wasn't bad. I mean, it was a nice way to show like Dusty was still over. I mean, I guess if they know they're going out of business, right? Mm-hmm. Why not showcase Dusty Rhodes? Hey, he's like the heart and soul of WCW. He was. They had showcased Flair and Sting, I guess, on the last Nitro that already aired at this yeah. point. So why not Get give Dusty love? Yeah, I'm just surprised of the choice, right? It was 94, which is just yeah, weird to me. I, I don't know why you don't show Dusty versus Flair or something in right. the last match. That's whatever. what I would think, yeah. but fine, whatever. So we get back to Cheese Doodles here while Scott Hudson acts like a weird asshole. He's just yelling like, and I'm like, what? Yeah. And then he's like, I'm having a fit for Bunkhouse Buck. Can I get some medical attention here for Scott Hudson? Someone please. Now, mind you, I need to say this before it happens, because this is literally the last bit ever in WCW history. It's about Bunkhouse Buck. Get ready for it, folks. Yes. So he's like, I'm having a fit for Bunkhouse Buck. And today's like, ah, medical attention, blah, blah, blah. And then they talk about Buck Snort. They talk about Bunkhouse Buck's mom, and literally five seconds later, we finally acknowledge that WCW is over. Yes, it goes from Bunkhouse Bunk to this company doesn't exist anymore. What? (laughs) Mind you, 
Bunkhouse Buck has not been in the company in several <laughs> no, he years. he hasn't. I don't know. Maybe he works in the back. Maybe he's maybe. a producer. <laughs> maybe. Just, I'm just what curious. is he producing? Maybe he kind of got himself thrown in there in the last... <laughs> Could you imagine if he's like he's the, he's the director of this episode or something? And he's like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, no one's ever going to watch this. Yeah. Just throw myself into the last bit. <laughs> so right after making fun of Bunkhouse Buck, Scott wraps up Worldwide, saying... It's not just for today, but it's forever and a day. WCW is gone. Worldwide is gone. Thanks for being with us. Basically, like, thank you. The crew was nice and we'll never see you again. <laughs> like, that's seriously, like, what happened here. Yep. The final words on WCW programming are from Scott Hudson, of all people. And they say, we'll see you down the road somewhere else. No, no, you, you won't really. I mean. It's so weird. They hide the fact the whole show that they were just, like, saying goodbye. Yeah. Literally. Why? <laughs> That's the strength of the show, is right. that it's the last one. That's Ugh. the only strength of it. Yeah. Just a weird, jolting ending because they're like joking around to like, hey, by the way, we're canceled. See you never or something yeah. like that. And then we get credits. Yes. And I say that's a really nice way to like thank the crew. They actually yeah. put everyone's name on the screen. We couldn't, we couldn't read we, them. We couldn't see it, but they were nice enough to do it. Yeah. The credits and they are show long. the reverse of the beginning where the set is being put together yeah, and the set is being undone. See, and the crew are probably the only ones watching at this point. Yeah. So it's nice to credit them. Well, uh, goodbye, WCW forever. That's yeah, it. That that's was it, it, folks. What a weird way to produce their final show. I mean, obviously, Quinn, I guess if we're thinking logistically. Mm hmm. Did anyone care at this point about what they were putting out? Nobody cared. However, just to for completion purposes, there was one more thing that was filmed before this that <laughs> so, aired yeah. where Dusty and uh, Ric Flair introduced some old matches. Yeah, the best of WCW. That basically. aired in May, like we had mentioned before. Yep. And the only final true kind of WCW-ish thing is the Buff Bagwell match. <laughs> against where, Booker. But Scott Hudson commentates. He is with yeah. Iron Anderson. Right. And then that's like never again is there like real true WCW. <laughs> no, everything else is all WWF style right. you know, of WCW. Man. But this is the real last original content, I would say. What a bittersweet thing. I mean, again, it was a peculiar show. It wasn't produced in a way to get any kind of emotion out of you. No. Which you would think it was. I would think it would, it would be. It should have been a nice hour-long uh, farewell to the the old uh, the old stalwart here. Yeah. World Championship World, Wrestling. Yeah, and Worldwide itself had been on for years. I know. I mean, At this point in time, Worldwide was the longest-running yeah. program, wrestling program, period. Yeah, it was. You're absolutely right. Really long time. But they kind of just went from their normal, awkward, Worldwide banter that I'm sure they've been doing for all of 2001. Right. They kind of went from that, and then in the last, like, 95 seconds are like oh by the way bye <laughs> yeah what a weird way to end a 30 year old show <laughs> right? like you think well i mean they did thank the crew so that was nice what about the fan well there are no fans who watched this did anyone listening to our show right now catch the final wcw worldwide I i'd also, be interested to I know i also want to ask if anybody on this crew had been like a lifer with Worldwide and had been working on Worldwide since episode one in the 70s. Well, like David like, Crockett or could something. You, like, could you imagine like what a sad day that is? Well, like, I guess if you've been doing this for all these like, years, right? I, like say, like I'm sure for television shows, there are people who their primary job is just one show. Sure. And I'm sure there's there had to be somebody on that worked at WCW, like just specifically Worldwide. Like that was their job. And it's possible. That's 30 years of a career and it's over. So, Quinn, kind of a sad way to see WCW go. I mean, most people would associate the final Nitro with the end of WCW, but for completion's sake, we really wanted to give you guys a taste and, and actually watch for ourselves because we never right. had the final WCW Worldwide. 
it's really weird. I don't even want to call it bad. It's just, it's sad, it's kind sad. of. sad. I would say it's more sad than bad. But It's awkward. Yeah. It's peculiar. It's weird. It has Jason Jett. It has Jason Jett. Yeah, that was strange. But folks, thanks so much for being with us here. And we, of course, will be back next week. Unlike for- WWE. <laughs> yeah, we will see you next week for round two of the Royal Flush, the worst WrestleManias. In the meantime, be sure to catch us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com or join the group if you have a Facebook. It'll be a really fun time. If you want to donate, you can check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash OVPPodcast. And leave us a review if you don't mind on apple Podcasts if you use that but until next time we will be back don't you worry i'm joe Morata. that's michael quinn and we are out of here see ya i'm having a moment of buttness you were having I thought you were having a fit. I was. I'm having a fit for Bunkhouse Buck. Remember, I'm a bucker from way back. Buck, a Bucksnort, Tennessee. No, not uh, ex- he, he no. was the mayor of Bucksnort. Was he really? Remember his mother? No, don't go there. Okay, just a thought. That was a great match, though. It was a great match, like all the WCW War Games have been through the years. And this wraps up WCW Worldwide, not just for this week, but forever and a day. WCW gone, worldwide gone. We want to thank you for joining us each and every week here on WCW Worldwide. What a great crew we've had. It's been a lot of fun taping these shows, and you can see we have a really good time. For Mike Tanay, I'm Scott Hudson. We'll see you down the road somewhere else. Thanks for watching Worldwide. I own WCW.